Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Interesting story there regarding Rory reading the sports. There's, uh, you know, the we got the Olympics in 2024 going to happen in Paris, and there's shortlisting now the different types of sports. There'll be all the traditional ones, but they're constantly adding to it. You know, particularly in an effort to attract more and more young people who will get involved in sports or take an interest in the Olympics. So I see this morning in the Sun that they're saying that they've added skateboarding, they've added sport climbing, they've added surfing and they're now contemplating adding breakdancing. What a breakdancing, a, a type of dancing from the 1980s. Um, but clearly it's still around. So breakdancing now, they're contemplating adding that uh, to the Olympic Games. Paperwise this morning, I suppose, why not? It's all about diversity, isn't it? Paperwise this morning, well, the Cork Lotto winners have made contact and the Red Tops tell us all about it this morning with uh, Daily Star saying the lucky 10 million euro punter or punters or family or whomever it is have made contact with the National Lottery and it's closer to 11 million actually, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, and I suppose, I don't know how much interest back Banks give now on deposit. I mean, some banks charge you for money on deposit. But I imagine banks would be, would they be not clamoring for 10 or 11 million to be deposited? Anyway, this quick pick. We still don't know who, we just know where. And that was the Spar store in Mount Over Village in Rochestown. So they've made contact. Wow, what a Christmas present. What a life-changing present. Then there's a story in The Sun of an Irish couple living in the UK who scooped a monster 130 million on the Euro Millions. And they have given half of their jackpot away in recent years, over half of it, they helped friends, they helped families, they set up charities, uh, they bought jewellery, they bought gifts for people. They just gave half of it away. I mean, that means that they were still left, left with 65 million after they gave away half of it. And uh, I mean, that's just, it's just a wonderful thing. Of course, the vaccine makes all of the newspapers and the UK is up and running. And we hear this morning of the first person in the UK who has actually got the jab and got it at seven o'clock this morning. Apparently, uh, a Northern Ireland lady by the name of Margaret Keenan. She's 90. She's living in Coventry for 60 years now. She's originally from Enniskillen. She got the jab. First person in the entire world to receive the jab as part of the vaccination program. For the rest of us, Bjorn Martin is saying December 29th, when we get the green light from the EU, 29th of December is when we will start jabbing people here in this country. And they're saying in the papers today that it will be front page in the mail this morning says 12 different groupings. I'm not going into the 12 this morning, but the most vulnerable in society including care home residents, frontline health workers, will be at the top of the list. So they're rolling it out. Uh, and I suppose when the Oxford vaccine comes along, one's the one that can be just saved in a regular fridge, I mean, they'll rattle through vaccinations at that stage. Dublin, and this is one that we've dealt with on the air from time to time down here, buskers on our streets and... Me personally, I'm all in favour of it. You know, I think in the outdoors, with the cold weather, you know, passing by or listening to a couple of tunes inside in town's a lovely thing. They don't think the same in Dublin. They have banned buskers from Dublin streets from performing on the streets because apparently it breaches COVID-19 public health guidelines. What are you going to do? In the meantime, then, you have others who are playing restaurant and pub roulette. The story in the Mail this morning talks about diners keen on getting their fill of alcohol last weekend and will continue right across Christmas. The amount of people who will be moving from restaurant to restaurant for their meals. So this is like a... It's almost like a 12 pubs or 12 gastro pubs at Christmas, if you like. Um, they, they go into one, according to the Mail, for and some people start in one place with the dessert, and they have a few a lash of drink and then they go to the next one for I don't know 
maybe <laughs> the starter, and then to a third one for the main course. Um, and God knows if they go to a fourth, what they have, maybe start all over again. But they also talk, or at least the Restaurant Association uh, of Ireland's chief, Adrian Cummins, makes the paper this morning because he says Cork's Nash 19 restaurant was obliterated with no shows last Friday when 40% of people who had booked did not show up, according to Claire Nash. I mean, if that's not a reason to take a non-refundable deposit, I don't know what is. Um, all of these RT stars that stood at the party for the farewell party for a staff member, they did break COVID rules. Duh. We kind of saw that in the photograph. Did we need all of this internal and external inquiries and the Garda Shikana calling out to Donnybrook to tell us that? But apparently they did breach five different health rules at the do. But nobody is going to be censured in any way, shape or form. There certainly won't be any suspensions or sackings or fines. And the Garda have closed the book on it. But they do have to go to a COVID, um, a series of COVID lessons um, and to get re-educated as to uh, rules and guidelines. Um, Michal Martin would never refuse nor would any politician the opportunity for a photograph and a good news story. That's why he was talking about COVID and Carrigaline yesterday, uh, because 69 A-rated afforded family homes have been launched in Carrigaline by the Taoiseach and the families that got them, some of them photographed in the Echo this morning, are absolutely over the moon. A-rated, I mean, these houses, the kit out in an A-rated house is just through the roof. From the heating system, you know, to the door, to the insulation, to the flooring, uh, you know, to the choice of kitchen, to the white goods and everything. I mean, it's just unreal the amount of stuff that goes into an A-rated house. So they're all very much delighted for them. I'll come back to this later later on because it's important to revisit the stories. It's the story of Dermot O'Quayla, Tom O'Connor and Tony Walsh who blacked out the, um, particularly the Victoria signs and street signs. They were up in court yesterday. Um, I guess an awful lot of time was spent on this. Not quite sure how much was run up in legal fees, but they were each fined €250, which they must pay to St. Vincent de Paul. So that makes the papers today. Uh, Also, with regards to the UK bailing out of the European Union, you're going to see a fairly instant increase in prices, uh, according to the Independent to say, you know, stuff that's important like breakfast cereals, sausages, Mind you, why would you import UK sausages when our own are the best in the world? Different types of chocolate that are manufactured and processed in the UK. All sorts of processed food, furniture, magazines, books. They're all on the rise, apparently. And so is the interest in having a veggie option for Christmas. And this morning, the uh, Mirror talks today about a huge surge because more and more people now are vegetarian and vegan. So they'll be passing on the turkey and the ham, but they'll be digging into even more sprouts. I had the first sprouts of the season and my first Christmas lunch down in Skibbereen on Saturday. at a beautiful overnight down in Skibbereen. And we had a gorgeous Christmas lunch with all of the trimmings, turkey and ham and the gravy and the stuffing and, uh, and the sprouts in church restaurant. I mean... Could you think, if you've been there, you'll agree with me, you couldn't think of a more beautiful setting to have your first Christmas lunch. And then all of the papers today talk of more things to do with Christmas, including the top 20 most magical Christmas lines in Christmas movies. I won't do that now. I'll do it a little later on this morning. But the one that features very highly in it, time after time, right through the top 20, is different, different Home Alone movies. You know, particularly Kevin McAllister asking for his Santee back in time for Christmas. Apparently there wasn't a dry house, dry eye in the house. And Bob Dylan's back catalogue of music um, has been sold. It's been bought 
by Universal. Um, it's worth hundreds of millions. I've been trying to get a figure as to how much his entire back catalogue is worth if Universal have just bought 50% of it. Uh, and they paid huge money for it, something in the region of $750 million. Um, so go and figure what it's worth if you add all of it up. And then, of course, on top of that, I wonder, will it outsell Michael Jackson's estate, which nearly made a, a billion uh, between all of those that were buying it and selling it. At one stage, it was bought by um, uh, Sony. And then, of course, Paul McCartney stuff was bought by Michael Jackson. So all sorts of stuff going on there in the music business. And the papers also today have some great jokes when it comes to uh, Christmas crackers. Apparently, there was some kind of a competition in the UK with regards to the jokes that they would put into UK Christmas crackers. And here's a few of them. I'll come back to more later this morning. Why was production down at Santi's workshop? Because many of his workers had to elf-isolate. You pull a Christmas cracker in the UK, these are the kind of jokes that you're going to find inside them. Why didn't Mary and Joseph make it to Bethlehem? All virgin flights were cancelled. <laughs> Why are Santi's reindeers allowed to travel on Christmas Eve? They can travel because they have herd immunity. <laughs> COVID gets in there time after time. Why did the pirates have to go into lockdown? Because of the R rate. But one of the ones that I absolutely love, and it gives me an opportunity to play this for the first time this Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, and I always look forward to this. What is Dominic Cummings' favorite Christmas song? What is Dominic Cummings' favorite Christmas song? It's Driving Home for Christmas! How can't you love that? That's the greatest Christmas song of all time. Love that piano work. Driving home for Christmas, which is what Debbie, which is what Debbie was doing yesterday. Debbie! Hi, Neil. How are things? <laughs> so you were attempting to drive home for Christmas after a lot well, of Christmas shopping. Like. What happened? Well, like, um, I, have a bu- I had a bulging disc in my neck last week, so it was really sore. So I did my shopping and I asked one of the lads at work to, like, take the bags up to my car. And she goes, love him. It was his first day with us. Like, you know, he's just for Christmas, but he was with us last Christmas. And I was like, oh, it's a 10 feet golf. It's a light blue, you know, just like fob it and it should open. And where so was this? In, in a supermarket car park or a shopping? In Castle West Shopping Centre. And what was, was it all your Christmas presents and Christmas shopping? Yeah, come here, man. I'm telling you, I'm still not over it. I'm so distraught. And my poor dog's Christmas advent calendar was inside me. And I was so... Looking forward to giving Casper his calendar that night. <laughs> so, so what went the new guy? Is it with all the bags? So he went up anyway, and he was gone a while, and he came back down, and I was like, "Oh, are you okay? Did you find my car?" And he's like, "Oh, I did." He said, "I think the battery is gone in your key fob." He said because I had to open the car with the key, and I was like, "All right, John." He was like, "Oh, that's a bit strange." So you know, finished working away, went got my ramen takeaway, and I was like so looking forward to putting my presents under the tree and giving Casper his. <laughs> calendar and huh. I kind of looked in my car and I was like alright he must have put him in the boot and then I looked in the boot <laughs> and then I kind of like looked in the car and then I kind of looked in the back seat and I was like no there's definitely nothing there and then I was kind of <laughs> looking again <laughs> Neil, I'm telling you it wasn't funny I'd say I nearly had a heart attack I'd like. be the same yeah and, don't you um, think I've been robbed obviously I was like this is so strange so I went down to him and I was like oh Callum where'd you put my stuff and he was like I put it in oh, the blue back. Volkswagen golf that you told me put it in. 
And he was like, I put them up in the car seat and I was I was like, they're not there. Like, And I was like, oh, did you lock the car? Maybe you forgot to lock the car or something. And he was like, no, no, no. He was like, I definitely locked it. So we went back up and he he thought I was parked like on the first floor. Which I was actually parked like on the floor beneath it. Yeah. So like my key had actually opened somebody else's golf. <laughs> Oh God, there was another light blue Volkswagen Golf in the same multi-story and he put all yeah. your stuff into it and whomever owned the Golf was gone, right? Yeah, oh yeah, they were gone because we walked up and they were gone so I was like, oh my God, Neil, I'm telling you now, I was so distraught. I was just like, I just actually can't believe this has happened to me. I was like, I'm minding my own business, being a good person and this happens like. So then um, a good friend of mine put it up on Acts of Kindness on Ahabolog and Balancholic and it was obviously doing the roots on social media. And the lady, oh yeah, so then like I know this girl who's a guard and she said, look, get onto the centre security and I'll like find out who owns the car or whatever. So then I... So you got onto Castle thing. West Shopping Centre Balancholic to see if they might have the reg of the car going out or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had, but obviously they couldn't give it to me, like, for obvious reasons. So then I had to go back to the guards in my room. Like, my whole weekend was taken up with it now, and I was just so allergic, like. <laughs> allergic. I was allergic. And um, I was, like, uh, making my statement on the way to the guard, and um, I was like, I said, you don't actually understand. I said, I'm so upset. I said, because I was so looking forward to giving Casper his Christmas advent calendar and explaining it to him. The dog. Yeah, and I could. You mean you would have actually explained dog. to the dog in human yeah. words? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I could see like that he actually thought like I was probably a bit crazy because I could see him laughing inside his mask, and he was like, "Oh, your dogs are great. You have got to love your dogs." And um, then do you I actually believe that Casper would understand what you were telling them about the? Oh, he does. He barks, Neil. He barks back at me. No, he's barking because he, he can smell chocolate. But does he actually understand oh. what? You're... It's not chocolate. You can't give a dog chocolate meal. That's the greatest myth I ever heard in my entire life. But that's for another day. Every dog I've ever had has raided more chocolate than I'd say I've ever eaten in a lifetime. Uh, a small bit, but they can't actually eat more chocolate than their body weight. I mean, I'm not suggesting that they eat that they would sit down and eat ten pounds worth of chocolate. Uh, yeah, but they could certainly eat, as has happened in the past. A tub of roses, for instance, or a Toblerone. Oh, no, they couldn't. Oh no, they'd be very sick. I don't know. Oh, Do no, I just get freaky dogs that never get sick? Even Jack yeah, now. Oh, God, no. Amazing. I wouldn't even... I'd never give Casper chocolate. Well, my mom and dad would use, give him, like, chocolate digestive, but I had to stop all of that. No, I don't give them. I'd sick. never have... They always rob it or it's left too low yeah. and they manage to climb up and get at it. But we'll... we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come, um, no doubt I'll get abused now for saying... Uh, the dogs don't get sick from chocolate. Oh God, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, Definitely. so you got the guards involved now. You have the shopping centre involved. Uh, you've given a statement. What happened right. next? And, and there's all this drama. And, you know, I'm really not a drama person. And I was just like, I'm just actually so sick of it. I was like, if I just had the dog's Christmas advent calendar, you know, I would have been happy because, like, I was so looking forward to going home Saturday night, putting my presents under the tree and giving Casper his calendar. You know, it was I love how you say calendar. I love how you say calendar. What is it, calendar? Is that a mi- is that the mid cork way of saying calendar? Probably, Neil. I love yeah, it. Probably. It's beautiful. Don't ever okay. change. Don't ever change. All right, All right. So then, like um, one of the guys from Centre Security in Balancholic rang me, and he was like, "Oh, um, the one who had your bags is after making contact, but she wouldn't give them to us. Um, but she's left her number." So then. 
like I was trying to get through to her and like she wasn't picking up and then I was getting like really anxious I was like oh my god like why isn't she picking up her phone <laughs> but I eventually made contact with her she was a lovely lady her name was Christina she was like she went to her car and she was like looking at her husband and she was like what the hell is going on <laughs> she was like because her car was locked she was like what the hell is this <laughs> and she was like she was kind of they were looking around and they were actually looking for another golf but because my car was on the floor below them they couldn't find or it or they'd be looking for somebody with a camera wondering is this a wind up or something because yeah, the car yeah, was yeah. locked so they're thinking like, how did it get like, in there yeah she was like it was just so 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 random like it was just like absolutely one of the worst situations ever I was just like literally it was like somebody had stolen my heart but my body was still working uh, it's only you know a, it's only a Christmas calendar I know, but the other presents as well. Like, I, know, I, mean, but I, I just felt so sad. You know, I really love my dog. I know, I know. It's, bag, it's bags of stuff. Him. It's bags of stuff. I know it is. I know it is. So she got in touch and you guys hooked up. Well, and, and you got your stuff back. No, I haven't actually hooked up yet because uh, I was working yesterday. I'm off today, but um, I will be busy later. So I'm actually, she, she texted me on her postcode. So I'm going to collect them tomorrow evening after work off her. And was there anything like that was, uh, you know, did you have cream in there or, or fish <laughs> like that? No? Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were all presents, Neil. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad it all worked out in the end. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm telling you, it was just like, it was just like a terrible experience. But, like, <laughs> thankfully, it ended well. Like, but I do still think the goodness was robbed out of it for me, like, with the calendar and the whole lot. Like, but I mean, you're getting, the, you're getting like, the calendar back, aren't you? I know, but he's going to be eight or nine days behind. Why? Because, like, there's 24 days on it. Yeah, we should give him two a day, then. Well, yeah, but, like, he won't be able to understand then properly. He doesn't understand anyway, Debbie. Uh, He's a dog. Neil, Neil, I don't know about that now. I think he does understand. You think, you think, what's his name, just say, what's Casper? Casper. You think that Casper, what kind of a dog is he? He's a Lahaso Apso. A what? A Lahaso Apso. What kind of a dog breed is that? Um, he originated in Tibet. Um, he's he's kind of like, he looks a bit like a Shih Tzu, but he's a bit different. They originated in Tibet. So is he very high in the scale of dog mensa then or something, yeah? Oh God, yeah, completely. As opposed to maybe uh, Jack Russell or something? Come here, he gets his hair done more often than I do, Neil. I'll be darned, he's a spoiled dog. Oh, he's ruined. Absolutely, but he has to because he gets so he gets so hairy and fluffy. Like he has to. Be I know you have to. Like, you have to look. You have to look like. after him. He'd be more. He'd be mortified if you brought him out and he wasn't looking top condition. Um, it's, oh my god! Of course. So you need to start feeding him double doses of the calendar. God, yeah, definitely. That's the plan on the way for this week. And what is it? Is it a doggy part. chocolate or something? No, it's chicken treats. You pop open the little door and he gets a little yeah, chicken Yeah, yeah. I would like be so looking forward to doing it every morning before I go to work. <laughs> you have very little to worry about, you know that? What? But, but, do you think? Somebody says, chocolate is toxic to dogs and cats. Your dogs must be aliens, Neil. And everybody wondering what kind of a dog breed Casper is because he sounds so clever. And Ireland's Next Top Madra Facebook page want to replace or to gift you another um, doggy advent calendar. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So oh there's no, an extra treat in it for you. You should start yeah. entering, entering that dog into doggy competitions. 
Oh, he would. Like, I mean, he, he is actually so clever, but the problem is now he's so spoiled, he actually thinks he's a human. How? Because, like, he has to sit at the kitchen table with us. On a chair? Yeah. Does he have a plate? Yeah, well, he's on plate, like, obviously. And he has dog food next to your food? Well, you know, he has a bit of both, really, Neil, I suppose, if we're honest. He eats the same food as you guys? Well, like, yeah, but, like, he wouldn't eat a curry now or anything like that. Like, he wouldn't eat anything spicy. Like, I'd be careful what I'd give him, like. How do you know he doesn't like curry? Has he told you? No, he hasn't told me, but it wouldn't be good for his tummy, Neil. Oh, it'll go right through him, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't want to deal with that, like. He's king of the castle, so, in your house. Oh my god, completely. You Is know, I th- have a son as well. And oh, 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 you forgot about you forgot about the son. <laughs> and he's fourteen, and he'd be like, "Mom, who do you love more, me or the dog?" And I'd be like, "Liam, don't be silly. I love you both the same." You know. <laughs> yeah, but if you had to pick, I love them both the same, Neil. And does he clean up after himself, then, Casper? Casper, no. He doesn't clean up after himself, no. He's not that clever, Neil. He's a smart dog. He's got the... No, no, he's a very smart dog. He's got the dog's life, for sure he has. Oh, my God, yeah. I actually got him off a rescue about, like, maybe four years ago. And um, he was used for breeding all his life, and he was about two when I got him. Yeah. And when you saw him now when I got him, Neil, he was, like... He he was so rough-looking, because I remember Liam was only about, like, eight, and I brought Liam with me to collect him up in Limerick. And I remember thinking, like, if Liam wasn't with me, I actually would not be taking this dog, like, because he actually looked so bold and he looked, like, so rough. But then, like, just with a bit of love and a bit of care. Nobody wants, the, nobody wants the ugly or the bold dogs, no? No, he... It was just, he was so bold. Like, when we got him, he didn't even know how to pee. Oh, because he, was, he was abused, that poor dog, yeah. Yeah he, yeah, he was so frightened. But, you know, like, within three months, he'd literally stolen everybody's heart. Like. Okay, okay, okay. Finn? Morning, how are you? Good. Um, you wanted to pick up on dogs, is it? You want- yeah, they're very intelligent. They're very intelligent. I've got a dog, he's nearly three. And I hear and he's bilingual, is he? He is. He, speak- he understands no perfect English. And um, I now have got him doing the basic commands in Irish as well as in six years, and uh, ask him to say please when he gets a treat and he gives me the paw, but I haven't got time to video it now, but I will forward it to Brenda today for you, and you can have a look at it, and uh, he's fantastic, but we also have um, a teacup kitten, and they're both black, but there are some days you come in and the cat's hanging off the dog's ears, and he's just wagging his tail saying, this is great fun. <laughs> literally, oh literally, you, you can find the cat anywhere. He, oh, he, Debbie, he is, Debbie is so jealous now of that. Yeah, I'm actually yeah, but, very jealous. Uh, <laughs> I actually need to hang out with you sometime to get a few tips. When you say when you say that your dog, what's your dog's name? Bruno. When you say Bruno is bilingual, he doesn't speak Irish and English. He understands Irish and English, is it? He understands Irish and English. Yeah, because if I had a dog that talked, I wouldn't be cooking for a living. I'd be taking him all over the country, <laughs> answering phones and stuff. If you had a dog that talked, shows, you, know? you wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> That's correct. And by the way, my mother's not talking to me since the last time I spoke to you on the radio. You, why did you embarrass her? Well, it was about the cooking, remember? About the stuffing? Oh, yeah, yeah. You see, I told you at the time it was going to lead you to grief. Right, uh, you know, I, any chance you could tell me the lot of numbers for tonight so I could win the Euro Millions because you were spot on and, and banned from the house and everything. I told and you, you just must, must never criticise your mother's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> no, she got a great kick out because some of her friends were rigging her as well. It was very good. All right. Well, listen, I'll let you get back to it. Cheers, Finn. Would, Take care. I will send you the video. Bye-bye. Oh, but please do. I want to see that. So all's well that ends well then, Debbie. Yep. 
and uh, start feeding them double doses of the advent calendar and we'll organise the Ireland's top Madra Facebook calendars. Actually, what you should do is enter them in next year's Ireland's next top Madra competition. I'm sure he'd walk oh away God, with yeah. it. Oh, Ser- completely, without a doubt. Seriously, do it. Like, I mean, his face is adorable. Like, I mean, he's so good looking. Send me, send me a photograph, will you? And we'll, we'll get the good listeners to this program to decide whether or not he is an adorable dog or not, all right? But, but, Sir Neil, if they said not that he wasn't, then I'd be very cross, like. But see, problem with that is, like, do you ever see ugly babies? Right? No. <laughs> but let's say there was a such thing as an ugly baby. Right. No mother or father would ever think their own baby's ugly. You know, the rest of us know, might look it on. Where, like, even when I'm out walking with him now, like, people stop and they'd be like, oh my God, he's so gorgeous. Like, you know, so like, I know he is really good looking. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, I could talk to you all day. Go on away, send me a photograph. All right, Dale. Thanks a million. See you later. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Keep those texts coming. I know we'll get an awful lot of doggy things and certainly I'm getting a lot of criticism about dogs and chocolate. Some of the other Christmas cracker jokes, actually, that'll be in the UK Christmas crackers and I suppose ones that are coming in, you know, probably end up buying Christmas crackers from the UK. Any company make Irish Christmas crackers? Anyway, more than more. Why is the why is the best, why is it best to think of 2020 as a panto? Because eventually it will be behind you. <laughs> How great is it? Another one here. Uh, why couldn't Mary, I love this one, why couldn't Mary and Joseph join their work conference call? Because there was no Zoom at the end. <laughs> one final one. Which Christmas film was 30 years ahead of its time? Home Alone. So a lot of these, of course, are COVID-related Christmas cracker jokes. They're as corny as they are every year. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Des, good morning. Uh, morning, Neil. How's okay, t- good story about one Christmas. This was a goose as opposed to a turkey, was it? Yes, yes. My mother got a present of a goose. I was not was it a goose or um, a geese. I don't know which one was. It was a goose. Right, it was a goose, right. And... What the happened was the my mum and dad they went away for the weekend and they said to us and said, Right, look, if they're in a way, help yourselves, the girl from myself at the time. And um so I put in the oven and they would cook away. About two hours later, there was an awful smell. A bad smell like? Oh, it was a bad smell, yeah. Because see the kitchen was in the back room and we were in the front room watching T V. Yeah. So I said, God, I have a check in and open the door and God, it doesn't look that good, you know, it doesn't smell that good. It doesn't good, smell you know? good. It might have looked no. reasonably all right. Yeah, it looked okay, you know, because I never cooked a goose before, you know. <laughs> so I said, right, I closed the door and then left it in there for another half an hour and came back over again. So God, it doesn't smell that great at all. Why not? So I took it out anyway and there was smoke pumping out of it. God almighty, it was unbelievable. So, uh, so I looked inside and there was the goblets the, inside. The, you, when you say the goblets, you probably mean the giblets, is it? The giblets, goblets. <laughs> the ghost keys, whatever. You know, they were inside and oh, God. they had fire, you know. Oh, man. Oh, revolting. <laughs> yeah, so I said to myself, well, the dogs are going to have their Christmas dinner early. So I grabbed them and I took the, the, the giblets or the goblets, <laughs> the man, whatever you want to call them. 
uh, opened the bag, put them on the ground. So the dog let them first. And then I went into the shed and got the hatchet and I chopped it in half and said, well, lads, there you go. Merry Christmas. They got the goose as well. Oh, they had the whole lot. <laughs> oh my, and, what, and what happened when your mother and father came back? What I told in the story, my dad almost wet himself. <laughs> I'd say it's not the first time <laughs> that somebody cooked a turkey, a goose, or even a chicken back in the days when that stuff was shoved up the, the bum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pardon, pardon me saying it like that. Um, and cooked it with it inside in a plastic yeah. bag. I bet you're not the first. Certainly won't be the last. She's not well I hope, I don't know, but I'll never do, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, stay on the line, get a postal address. I want to send you a voucher for an Oak Fire pizza. Don't burn that. Well, you can because it'll, oh, come, it'll come piping hot. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Des. Thanks Cheers. very much. Take yeah, care. Um, anybody else with any kind of disasters like that? Uh, lines open at 1850 104 106. Actually, I have a couple of funny stories of people getting into wrong cars. I'd say that happens an awful lot confusing two cars of the same colour. More on that in a few minutes' time. But Tom? Yes, um, Mr. Prendival. The correct pronunciation is Santa, not Santi. Where did that ever come from? I don't know, man. I guess you yeah. got... You got a man, you, man, you, man, I'm telling you, man, it's Santa. Says, but, not Santi. But who, who says that it's Santa? Because it's spelled S-A-N-T-A, not S-A-N-T-E. Santa. But I would spell it S-A-N-T-Y. Santa Claus. Why? I don't know. I suppose it was the way I was reared. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, anyway, I want no comment. But anyway, <laughs> okay. it's Santa. <laughs> won't go there. Okay. It's Santa. And does it upset you when it people does, like me... It does. Santa, Santa. Why? Is that... <laughs> I'm not... I mean, I'm not the only person that says Santa. Well, they're wrong too. <laughs> okay. You know, that's it. Santa is the name of the game. Santa is the man. Okay, man. There you have it. Okay, Tom. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, like, I have no intention of changing, but nor do I want to be alienating 50 or 60% of the people listening to this program, but he's clearly very upset with it. Um, I, I suppose Santa is an old Cork term. An old cock way of saying. Didn't we do? Didn't we do something on Twitter on that? Didn't we do a poll on that? I think I lost the poll. Was it sixty forty? I think sixty percent of people responded said the correct pronunciation is Santa. Forty percent came up with Santi. I guess it's a generational thing, guys. And I suppose in the cancel culture that we live in now, I suppose Santi now is gone also, and it's only Santa Claus. Whatever way you look at it, they had the the top twenty. Most magical festive film scenes. Well, I don't have time to go through all of them. I was saying that um, Home Alone featured in quite an amount. And I see some kind of quirky fact come in there this morning with regards to an anniversary. There's a couple of very important anniversaries this morning. One is the 40th anniversary of the death of John Lennon, the murder of John Lennon in New York. And the other was, Neil, you mentioned Kevin McAllister. It's the 30th anniversary of Home Alone. And they commissioned a cake of the McAllister home. And it was on Ireland AM this morning. You should have a look at it. It's amazing. Will do. But it featured an awful lot in this top 20. Particularly the number one was Kevin McAllister asking Santa, Santi for his family back in time for Christmas. Another one was uh, his impromptu party keeping the burglars away. Another one then was from Elf. 
and Home Alone comes in then again in fourth. The Polar Express, the boy finds the boy finds his belief in Santi and hears the bell ring is the part of the Polar Express. Tiny Tim in A Christmas Carol when he exclaims, God bless us, everyone. And a movie that I saw, movie, film, I suppose film now is also gone, is it? Uh, but uh, the movie that I saw only for the first time last week, and it was, it was good, boy, I tell you what. It, it was Die Hard, or was it Die Hard 2? They said it was a Christmas movie. It's just a kind of a big shooting up movie to me, but there was one great line in the end of it. You know, when he flicks the lighter and lights the aviation fuel and blows up the plane and he says, yippee ki He says, yippee ki m effer But I'm not allowed to say that in daytime radio, obviously. Any radio, I think. So is it Santa or Santi? Uh, great text to the show the other morning. Neil, stop rephrasing everyone's messages that are sent in as Santa. You end up changing them to Santi. Just because you say Santi, it doesn't mean you can change what people say in their messages. Who is Santi anyway? It's Santa. So I lost that one. We put it up as a Twitter poll and asked people, is it Santa or is it Santi? 61% of you came back and said Santa. And 39% of you are like me and said Santi. So that's one battle we lost, lads. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Ah, yes, indeed. The things you say and the things you don't say. Um, and lots of texts on different things like that. Text 0868-104106. Desi, morning. He was asking me there, did you watch The Hunger, part one and part two of The Hunger? I was pre-wrecking one so I could watch it together with two. Uh, thanks for inquiring, Desi. You're very kind. I actually watched part one of it last Friday and I haven't got to see part two of The Hunger and RT which tells the story much through the eyes of uh, you know many great people in UCC and many universities around the world actually it was Colm Crowley out of RT Cork who put it together it's an incredible production uh, two part uh, series on uh, The Hunger on the famine I haven't seen the second part yet but it, when, when, certainly when from time to time you see how RT can really do things right and they certainly got that one right if you haven't watched it you can probably watch it on the player the two part but I was down in Skibbereen at the weekend and it was down around the old uh, I always thought it was a workhouse only uh, but it actually turned out to be uh, the, a big old building where they had the soup kitchen and the big huge vats you know the massive big soup churns that they fed people from and from 19, from 1846 for uh, I imagine at least four or five years they were feeding six to seven thousand people a day emaciated people the elderly and the children and all ages in between who would crawl to the soup kitchen on their knees like skeletons um, every single day. And they would crawl for miles to get there, six, maybe 7,000 of them. So that's the hunger on RT. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 106 You can text 086-8104-106. Back to the phone lines we go. Jackie, good morning. Good morning, uh, These are cooking are cooking disasters. Cooking uh, disasters. You never you never <laughs> cooked the turkey with the giblets inside, though, no? Uh, no, I didn't. Thank God. Okay, but no, I wait, didn't. was this when you were when you were newly wed? Is it? We were new, very newly wed. I'd say it was my first Sunday dinner that I went to cook. Right. And we had that was thirty five, nearly thirty six years ago, and we had a, we got a present of a pressure cooker. And I decided to do ham and cabbage. So I put the cabbage into the pressure cooker, like my mother does. Um, never used one before. Never knew how much water to put in. Never knew how long to put it on or anything. So I put it in, being the good newly married housewife. And I uh, went out into the front room. Next, bang! I said, what the hell? Not bang straight away, surely. 
No, 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 after a while. Bang. Uh, I, I don't know how long it was. Could have been a quarter of an hour, could be 20 minutes. I don't know. I can't recall. After 35 years now, Neil. <laughs> um, so I went out to the kitchen and uh, I don't know whether I'd be too much water in or what. I don't know. I never used a pressure cooker again afterwards. But the cabbage had literally come out the spout where you put the pressure little thing on. The little fiddly bit that the steam yes. comes out of. Yes. <laughs> the cabbage had exploded out through that. Must have come out like a hose. I couldn't tell you it was done by the time I got to the kitchen. It, ha- it was over the ceiling, the cupboards, the floor. Oh my God. <laughs> I never cook cabbage again. <laughs> and the, snow, and the, the pressure cooker went down into the bin. What? Did you just read the feckin' instructions and learn how to use it properly rather than the who, who reads the instructions? Actually, it's a good point. Who actually, who even uses a pressure cooker anymore? I'm quite sure some do. No. But they were no. all the rage back in the day. They were all the rage back in the day. But my mother always used one. But I'd never inquired, how do you use it? And the secret to it was it literally cooked things faster, wasn't it? It was. It was. And they'd be cooked thoroughly. But sure, I didn't know that. There's a potential bomb up on the hob of every home. A bomb up in the hob. My poor dog had diarrhea, I'd say. For ah, God. And tell me, who had to do the clean-up after this disaster? The dog done most of it, I'd say. <laughs> Even on the ceiling? <laughs> no, I done all that myself. I was laughing because when my husband came in, I was sitting on the chair crying. He said, what's wrong? I said, you're doing something to see. Ah, ah. He saw the funny side of it, I'm sure. Oh, he did. He was hilarious. He thought it was hilarious. Like, oh, I, was, I was laughing that evening afterwards. Like, but, I don't know, <laughs> cooking disaster. <laughs> so he, t- he took over the cooking after that. All right. And no more explosions. No more explosions. Not yet, anyway. All right, listen, <laughs> thanks for sharing. Stay on the line. I'm going to get an address because you certainly won't be able to explode an Oak Fire pizza because they'll do the cooking for you oh, and I'll get it sorted for you. Oh, Enjoy lovely. it. Thank you, Neil. You're Thank welcome. You. Take Very care. Take enough. care. Lines open at 1850 You can text 0868 Big response also yesterday uh, to Fairy Tale of New York. It seems as if, like clockwork, it arises every single year as to whether or not it's all, whether it's any longer acceptable as a Christmas song. A lot of response to this, which I'll come back to. And it's just when we're doing a little bit of reminiscing with regards to the F word. In another world, faggot actually has a couple of different meanings. One is a bundle of kindling sticks and the other is something they eat overseas. Listen to your program yesterday morning about topics that are very important I just had to laugh to myself. I haven't seen any newspaper articles about the song Fairy Tale in New York, but I kind of got the gist of the complaints and wondered, are people really serious? This is an iconic song and people decide to complain about it this year. What about last year or the year before? Well, they complained then as well. I'm English, living in Ireland for 20 years, and one of the foods I used to love was bird's eye faggots, which you can't get here. But we do have the we do have to change the name of foods, do we, to appease people? Also, I didn't hear the story about the lady who complained about her husband, but we've all been there. She can go to social welfare and get help privately. I'm on disability, and although being married twice, I've always had to provide for my children on my own. I do feel sorry for others, uh, but at the end of the day, we just need to get on with our lives. Get on with it. Um, I accept what you're saying regarding the English. We're not quite sure what a bird's eye faggot was or what it tasted like or whether it's still called that or not. Maybe somebody might share with me. But certainly with regards to the lady who's struggling to make ends meet, I'm not so sure that that's very kind. 
because she is in a very, very difficult situation. I mean, that's financial abuse. And a little later this morning, I will read out more emails and texts uh, from people who, a lot of them, happy to share by email and by text, but not to come on air uh, because of anonymity issues and that. But horror stories from people who are also suffering or had suffered in the past and got out of it uh, from all sorts of gaslighting, uh, bullying, or financial abuse in the home. Back after 10. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, when you just get one second there, Brian, I'll just take the winners from yesterday because we're into day two and we also had a wonderful case of uh, wine that we gave away uh, for Barry's uh, Wines and Spirits. But we have another 200 euro voucher from Michelle Jewelers. Patrick Street to give away again this morning. The most glamorous and fashionable quality retail jewelry in Cork for you and a loved one, uh, whomever you want to buy for. So we have another 200 euro voucher. And this is again based on very tightly edited together three Christmas songs. Okay, so uh, don't call just yet. I'll play it a few times, open the phone lines, run about 10 minutes to midday. So here's today's uh, three Christmas songs. Have an aged. <laughs> Oh my God, they're like, they're really, really tough. They're university challenge, them ones, like, they're right up there. So those three, they're the start of three different Christmas songs. I'll play them again a couple of times between now. 10 to midday, a 200 euro voucher for Michelle Jewellers, Patrick Street. Now, yesterday, our winner with regards to our wonderful case of mixed wines was Madeline Robinson from Glen Heights Park in Ballyvalan. So congratulations. We'll organise you for to collect and pick up and do all sorts of things. And you have a couple of vinos. The recommendations yesterday was Frizzante. Yeah. Sauvignon Blanc and uh, Pinot Noir, as in the sparkling, the white and the red for Christmas time. Not everybody all that happy, though, because uh, some people at work got a voucher from the job. I just wanted to highlight something that has really grated on me, given the current climate and our companies are struggling to stay afloat and a lot of people are out of work. Our company, in lieu of a Christmas party, gave every staff member a 30 euro off-license gift voucher sent by email to all staff. Really nice of them and a nice way of marking our annual Christmas party. But here's the deal. Uh, A 7 euro 50 delivery fee applies for every voucher sold at the off-license. Our company gave us 30 euro the Christmas vouchers, when we brought to the off-license, are refusing to accept them in-store and refusing to allow us to do it on a click-and-collect basis. They are forcing a delivery fee of €7.50 on every single voucher. But that's not all. You then have to pay an extra seven fifty by credit card when you order. You can't even use you can't even credit it the seven fifty against the voucher. We then hoped to pool all our vouchers and to bulk order and pay for one delivery fee, but this wasn't acceptable either. Very annoyed at this off license. All of us work and live near the city and we have no requirement whatsoever for delivery. Anyway, please highlight this, but don't give out my details. I don't want the company to get into any kind of trouble. I'm just grateful to have a job, not to mention receive a Christmas voucher. Okay, well, thank you. We got added information as to who the off-license is. So I'm going to park that for a while and just get on to them and ask them, why is this system in place? I mean, maybe I'm just thick, but 
Uh, is, does this off-license not allow customers in where you just go in with the voucher and buy what you want? What is this business? Surely there isn't an off-license that only does delivery. Anyway, we'll check that and come back. Uh, our Michelle Jeweler winner yesterday, Monday, was Billy, Billy Arnold in Friars Walks. And congratulations to you, Billy. Uh, enjoy the 200 euro voucher from Michelle, the jewellers. Patrick Street. Meanwhile, you know, the more to find things you do, um, and in, earlier this morning, it was Debbie and the dog and the um, advent calendar and all of our Christmas shopping going into the wrong car. Um, never mind about putting stuff into the wrong car. Lorraine got into the wrong car. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Mortification of it. I'd say, oh, you're, not, I'd say you're not Neil. alone, but what happened? Neil, I was, I was working in the airport at the time. Um, it was probably back, I'd say, maybe around 10 years ago. And um, my dad had collected me and we went down to, I had to go into Super Value in Glanmire. And he was like, don't be long inside there. No, please don't be long inside there. So I was like, I How long will you be? How long will you be? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I went in there and honest to God, no word of a lie, my brother from Florida rang me. So I was like, start talking to me and tried to get him off the phone. No, Neil, it ain't easy. So I was like, fine, I really need to go. Like, you know, dad's waiting outside. <laughs> So I came out and it was just all frazzled because I knew he was going to start giving out to me. So I came out and um, I my dad had a green mark. So I saw this green mark outside. He was trying to get parking. So I saw this green mark and got into the car and Neil, I didn't even, I didn't even let anybody talk. I literally put my hand up. Just don't start giving out to me now. My brother was on and from Florida and don't start giving out to me. And just please, I'm not Neil. So you rabbited on for what, like 60 seconds or something? And your man just looking at me, <laughs> Neil, I just looked at him and I was just like, I'd say he was just like, I won't say nothing. This one is a raving lunatic. I better not say nothing. And I'm just looking at him, Neil, and I'm like, I didn't know what to actually say. I just looked and I was like, I'm really sorry. I got into the wrong car. And he just went, you must have fancied me because he turned on me. He's like, I wouldn't mind if some hot would look on me and come into my car. He said what? He said to me, he said, I said to him, I'm really sorry I got into the wrong car. He says, if every hot woman was looking like you got into my car, I'd be quite happy. <laughs> I'm late to him. He took it. He <laughs> took it in jest. What was funnier, Neil, was my dad was looking at the whole thing. And my dad, my, my dad said, I looked, Harry, I saw you getting into this car. And I was wondering what you were doing. I thought maybe you know <laughs> Did your man have a green mark as well? Yes. What are the chances? What are the chances of a green oh, murk in the first place? If you saw him looking at me, I, I, I was just, I, I, I can't even describe when I, when I looked at his face, he was just looking at me. I'd say he was like, if every hot woman got into my car like you, I'd be happy out. <laughs> You're not the only person. I, I remember some years back picking up a friend of mine, same thing. I think I was driving a white car at the time. And she got into a car two or three down. And the same thing happened. She was rabbiting away to the driver. Blah, 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 blah. I was in here, I did this, blah, blah, blah. And then turned around and went, ah! What are you doing? What are you doing in this car? His <laughs> face was just priceless, Neil. I swear to God, if you saw his face, he was just like, I think he was just like, this one's after losing the plot. And then I'm you, you, sure you're a happy sister. I wouldn't mind a woman like that. No, that was a great response. And that was a compliment to you as well, Lorraine. <laughs> I suppose it was. When I tell you one thing, Neil. Oh, the embarrassment. I still haven't got over to this day. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing. I got a fifty <laughs> no, euro. No. I got a fifty euro voucher for you for Pinocchio's the toy shop on Paul Street. Buy some Woo! Christmas gifts. There. <laughs> Stay on the line. We get a postal address. I've heard all day. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much, Neil. Bye, Lorraine. Take care, yourself. Hugh. Good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Okay. Um, this is another turkey story. I love these. Go ahead. 
Well, I, my mother-in-law, bless her heart, she, she could turn her hand to anything years and years and years ago. This is close on 50 years ago now, I'd say, if not longer. But her, um, my father-in-law uh, used to get a present of a turkey every year. And they were never quite sure what time it would arrive, you know. So there was always kind of fingers crossed and everything else Christmas Eve. Eventually, anyway, it would arrive. But um, it, it wasn't the turkey as we know it these days. This had legs and heads and necks and feathers and everything yeah, on it. A lot. Yeah. So it wasn't alive, know. no? At least it wasn't alive. No, 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 no. no. I'd, I'd say probably a good vet. Might get it up and running again, you know, <laughs> there was that much in it. But um, the story really isn't about that. It's about one, one particular year, the turkey that arrived was absolutely humongous. Right. And I don't know if you remember, you're probably far too young to remember. Back in those days, you had two standard size ovens and cookers. One was a small one and one with a decent sized one like we have these uh, I'm sorry I'm old enough to remember just one uh, alright I thought I thought I'd no, get an oven with. I know you got a cooker with two ovens. We only had one. Oh, absolutely! But that's these days. She had a, one of the small cookers. Of course, the chicken or the turkey wouldn't fit in it properly. So she opened the door, shoved it in as far as she could, left it for a couple of hours, took it out, and shoved the other half or the other side of it in for a couple of hours. Took it out, put down. They had Christmas dinner. So all was not lost. Ingenuity, I tell you. And, and it worked, did it? It did. But and, sure, how did and, the and door the close? It didn't. That's oh, the whole point. The door was open the whole time. The turkey was stuck into the oven. The half of it was cooking. She's not thinking taking out a chainsaw, cutting the legs off it or anything, no? Well, I mean, I, I never cook a whole turkey every year. I take the breasts off and wrap them up, take the legs off and, and cook them all separately. And so You, you are joking me. Why do you do that? And then I'll, I'll pop the um, carcass into a, um, and, and make a, a lovely... Um, stock out of that and I make me gravy from that and we make soups and everything else from it. All right. And do you reassemble the turkey after you've cooked all the parts? I do, yeah. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) I I wouldn't be bothered. No, the the beauty about this is if you wrap your turkey breast up in a bit of cling film, wrap it up tight, the juices will come out in the cooking, but it takes only, um, I'd have a 20 pound turkey and it takes only about an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half tops to cook. And then you take it aside, let it rest, and half the juices go back into the breast. So when you slice that breast, it is just pouring moisture. It's I glorious. Know, I know what you're saying. You're making perfect sense. But it's it's about the spectacle, you know. It's about the presentation and the, you, you know. see my table on Christmas Day. That is some spec. I'd send you a photograph of it after Christmas. <laughs> I some spectacle. I tell you, there's about five different veggies and there's stuffings galore. Do you know hickeys on Mailer Street? I must get on to them. I must get some of them to get to get them to deliver some of the. uh, They do these kind of little um, pop up things. You stick them into the turkey breast. It looks like. It's like a thermometer with a kind of a pin on the end of it, right? And you yeah. shove it into the turkey breast and you cook the turkey and this thing is sticking out of it. It's like a, like a red piece of uh, plastic. And when the yeah, turkey, absolutely. when the turkey is perfectly cooked, the top of it pop, pops up like, awesome. yeah. and that tells you, cause it's a guessing game with turkeys and weight and cooking times and heat and temperatures. When it pops up, this little gadget, Turkey's cooked. Game over. I, th- I think they cost like they cost like three euro or four euro for two of them inside the Hickey's and Mailer Street. That's right, and it costs you only twenty quid for a thermometer. Uh, you know, one of these probes, and I, I believe every house should have one. Yeah, but then you're opening you the door, closing the door, sticking the probe in the turkey. This thing just sits in the turkey. You look in through the little window, and it goes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they are. They're terrific, and they're perfect for something like Christmas. Yeah, and they sell out of them every year. Great story, Hugh. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate okay. it.
Don't don't Christmas, forget yeah. the photograph of your Christmas table uh, in the new year. I'll be looking forward to that. You know, somebody mentioned earlier on there uh, a beautiful cake marking the 30th anniversary of Home Alone uh, on Ireland AM this morning. Uh, and no disrespect, I'm sure it was a gorgeous cake. But one of the nicest cakes I've seen in a long time is from Tracy Desmond Bell. And her cakes, as in Tracy Cakes, are just incredible. Do you ever go onto her Facebook page? Do you ever look at her Instagram photographs of the types of cakes that she creates? Um, and she recently baked a cake, decorated the cake. It's a work of art. And it's actually a model of Rocha Stores. Yeah, Rocha Stores. Uh, somebody wanted a cake for somebody's birthday. I think from what I can see with regards to the cake, it's for somebody's 90th birthday. And it is of Rocha Stores. In the Rocha Stores colours, right up to the domey thing. You remember the kind of greeny, turquoisey domey thing? It's still on top of it. Uh, and even the Rocha Stores emblems, um, the colours of the building. Um, I, I just, like, why would you ever want to eat something as beautiful as a trace of cake's cake? And the latest one is a serious work of art. And it's a complete replica. It's round. So it's like giving you that kind of roundy, walk-around version of the entire Rocha Stores building. But it's as cork as they come, you can be sure of it. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. Yeah. 104 to 106 Red FM. How's Dan the man? Hope you're well. He says, you also didn't mention you were talking about the first vaccine in the world. You didn't mention the first man to get it in the UK. It was a man called William Shakespeare, the age of 81, from Warwickshire. Uh, William Shakespeare, the age of 81, was the first man. Dan says, I won't be getting it because there's nothing on how other medications will react to it, says he. Well, I'm telling you now, in the new year, there'll be a big debate as to who will and who won't. But here is a little clip of audio of the first vaccine being given in the world, outside of trials, happened this morning. Just safe to be speaking your arm, okay? Okay. Relax your arm for me. Just relax. Come here. All First vaccine. But you have to get two shots of that one. You have to go back again, apparently, for a second dose of it. Anyway, um, I made a deal there because last week I got grief because the texter started all this by saying, would you ever please stop substituting the word Santi when you're reading on texts that people send you when they text you the word Santa? And I promised I would stop. So from now on, any single, and since last week, any single text that comes in is Santa, I leave it alone. But if somebody sends me a text with Santi in it, I'm going to continue to read it out as it's sent, as in Santi. But this is an interesting text from somebody who eventually has got up the courage to say uh, how they really feel. I detest that word, Santi, too. When I hear it, or when I hear you say it, it's like someone dragging your fingernails across a blackboard. I've always hated it, but I was just too nice to say it. Thank God it's being exposed for what it is, a horrendous word that's reminiscent of dragging your fingernails across a blackboard when I say the word Santi. Ah, I've done it again. Done it again. Actually, so when I mentioned earlier this morning, this is this is movies for sure it is, but it's actually the more magical festive film scene from within the Christmas movies. Mark Willington, thank you, Mark. He's pulled out some clips on this. There are twenty in total. I'm not going to do twenty. I'm only going to do five. Um, and I mentioned some of them earlier on this morning, but this is the audio to go with them. It's the most magical line or the most magical festive scene from a Christmas film. And I suppose we've all started watching them already, haven't we? So number one was Kevin McAllister asking Santa for his family back in time for Christmas. 
I know you're not the real Santa Claus. What makes you say that? I'm old enough to know how it works, but I also know that you work for him. I'd like you to give him a message. Shoot. I'm Kevin McAllister, 671 Lincoln Boulevard. Do you need the phone number? Nah, that's right. Okay, this is extremely important. Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. No toys, nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Linny, and Jeff. And my aunt and my cousins. And if he has time, my Uncle Frank. And the another one that came in at number three is one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. Maybe like me, like me you watch it every single year. I'm referring uh, to Elf. And this is Buddy the Elf uh, learning Santa is coming to town and his reaction. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! <laughs> Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. I think there's even a t-shirt and sweatshirts and everything with I know him on them. Great movie. Uh, and then back to Home Alone. The keep the change, you filthy animal moment, apparently. I know, it makes no sense to me either, but let's have a listen. Who is it? It's Little Nero, sir. I have your pizza. Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. Um, well, what about the money? What money? Well, you'd have to pay for your pizza, sir. That in fact, how much do I owe you? Uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. Keep that change, you filthy animal. <laughs> Why does that even get into the top twenty? And then at number six, um, from a Christmas Carol. Then a toast, my love, my dearies, to our merry Christmas. God bless us. God bless us. God bless us, everyone. Tiny Tim himself. And just finally to wrap things up, A Wonderful Life makes the top 20. This is George, although it wouldn't be the scene that I would use from that super movie, but nonetheless, it's George running through Bedford Falls after deciding that he wants to live. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Merry Christmas! Well, Merry Christmas. Merry! So this is Christmas. important song to play upon this morning because it was 40 years ago today that John Lennon was shot dead on the 8th of December 1980. He was returning to his apartment in the Dakota building in New York and uh, it happened 40 years ago today. He had just signed uh, another contract with EMI. He was in great form uh, and was working on new material and everything and then his life was snuffed out. I wonder, is it still the case? Because I remember for years and years from that date, um, nobody would mention the name of his killer. Don't know if that's still in place, whether or not his killer is being named now, but nobody wanted to mention him. No broadcasters did. I think print did 
type and print his name, but uh, we didn't name him um, and just wouldn't mark his existence on the planet by naming him. It was 40 years ago today that it happened. Um, and of course, he leaves a legacy of music behind. So does Shane McGowan with Fairy Tale of New York, incidentally. And it's a very divisive song every Christmas. Lillian says, because we spoke about this yesterday, I could imagine, I could imagine that song coming on in a pub at Christmas. Everyone will be up chanting, singing, swaying, no matter what the diversities of the people in the pub were. Shane McGowan is a legend in his own right. He, of all people, understands the problems and issues related to the ordinary guy on the street. That's what the song is about and where he found himself on Christmas Eve in New York. Also, I I think time would be better spent talking about the lady and her child sleeping in a doorway in Cork but the PC culture will always find time to tear down what's good and avoid what really needs to be addressed, says Lillian. Well, I, I'm endeavouring to find out more about the lady in the tent and uh, Seamus went in very early this morning. I know people were perhaps inquiring about her as well last night, but um, the tent was gone. So I don't know if she stayed there last night. She was certainly there early. She was certainly there last evening, but whether or not she got help or got moved on, I hope whoever did come to her aid, were sympathetic to her, but she certainly wasn't there this morning when we went to visit to see if she was okay and see if she needed anything. So there's that and lots more besides. Many texts and emails just after the break. So thank you, Derek and Pat. I'll come back to after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Oh, the mortification of what people do. Pat, good morning. Good morning to Neil. How and, are it, you? and it was again uh, in and around 30, 35 years ago. You played pitch and putt in Dunlops? I didn't. I so did were you, many, uh, you worked in Dunlops then? No, no, my father worked in Dunlops actually, but the chap that is involved in the story worked in Dunlops at the time. And of course, Dunlops had the social club and everything. They had a bar and they had snooker tables, the works. Great, a great setup, a great setup. Unfortunate, it's gone by the way. All gone now, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, a story, Neil, uh, we had a game of pitch and put, this chap and myself. A fellow called Eddie O'Mani. And unfortunately, he's gone to the good man above. (laughs) Um, But he was my best buddy's father, and I would have been very, very good friends with him. So we had a game, we had a game of pitch and put. And. Um, we had a game to show and we stopped and we, that was grand and we finished and it was time to go home and you didn't I go into the clubhouse for a couple of pints no we didn't go for a pint I was probably a bit young maybe right. um, but uh, we um, we came out and I lived I lived in Ban Temple and uh, he was passing by Ban Temple he said come on he said Paddy says I'll give you a lift home I said no problem so I got my bag and my clothes and I threw it into the boot and he threw his into the boot and we jumped into a car and the car was a Mark III Ford um, Cortina was the car, blue car. And off we went, off down the road and we were just dropping into Bell Temple, just coming down the brow of the hill there coming towards Longboat. And next thing I hear him saying, Jesus, he says, who are in Paddy Sullivan's car? <laughs> and I said, what? He says, we're in Paddy Sullivan's car, he said. Well, he was after the, the two of them had the exact same car. Your man, Paddy Sullivan, was in having a point in the social club. He comes along, he opens the car with his own keys, opens the booth, gets into the car, starts the car, and off we go. And it was, how far? Was that about a half a mile down the road? That's right, it's not Before far. he realised that he was in the wrong car. Now, to beat that, he didn't even drop me off. 
he turned the car, went back to the social club, parked the car in the same position that he was after taking it from, said nothing, just locked it up, and we went over to his car, and off we went. <laughs> Never what said anything to No, he would have said it to him in work, no doubt, in, in, because they worked together, they were working colleagues, and, and, and he said it to him, Imagine if, he'd, imagine if he'd crashed it. I know it didn't happen, oh. like, but like a bit yeah. different story entirely. <laughs> oh, it's a true story. I mean, you see how things happen. Sure, if you blew, if you blew it, those doors did open. Did I was just going to ask you, was it common practice for people's cars to start other people's cars? Ah, well, certainly, certainly. And, you know, in, in, in that maker car was definitely one of the most one of the ones, you know, that, yeah, it, it, you know, one key would start the other one, you know, especially when they got worn, when the keys got worn, I see, you know, the barrel, the barrel in the... In I the know, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd pay yeah. a pretty penny now for a Mark Three Cortina, I'd say, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, you'd pay, you'd pay fair. If you had them, now, you'd be okay. And did Paddy yeah. Sullivan ever find that out? I'd oh, say he'd have seen yeah, the funny he, side oh, of it. Oh, they would have talked and worked. I'm sure he, he would have told them afterwards. Back door this, your man would have only laughed it off, you know. <laughs> Great um, stories. <laughs> just the old times, you know. <laughs> happy days, happy days. True, true story. Though. Have you kids or grandkids or anything like that? I do, I have two. I have two. I do indeed. Okay, I want to give you a 50 euro voucher for Pinocchio's, the toy shop on Paul Street. It's a beautiful toy shop because they got a lot of the old-fashioned, gorgeous wooden toys and they've got puzzles they and jigsaw, you know? And, and for you, you'll appreciate what I'm talking about, giving a gift to a, a grandchild, you know, somewhat reminiscent of the old style, okay? Indeed. You're very good. Thanks okay. very much indeed. Nick. Happy Christmas to you. Thanks, Pat. Thanks and for staying on hold. Thank you. And many happy returns. Take care, sir. Cheers, my man. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. Big day today. Um, what do they... Well, I can't remember what the right term is. Today... I know today is the day, the 8th of December. Today's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Or I mean, I imagine some people still celebrate days like that. I think it used to be a day off school way back in the day. I imagine they don't do that anymore. But... Not only on the the 8th of December was it the uh, Feast of the Immaculate Conception, but it was also the day when many people from the country would come into town to get everything they needed for the Christmas time. It could be some toys, it could be some food, it could be some stuff for bacon to take home to make, uh, you know, cakes and puddings and all sorts of stuff like that. But today was the day, was it Farmer's Christmas or, um, you know, Country Christmas? It was the day when... Because you didn't have many of the choice now that, that country towns and villages have. Certainly, when you look at the likes of Bandon and Clonakilty and even Skibbereen and places that I was, and if you go east along to Yall and Middleton and, and areas like that, they all have their own big supermarkets and shopping malls now. It wasn't that way back in the day. So today is the 8th of December and it's a big day. But it is also the day when 1.6 million people across the country will receive the Christmas bonus, including the pandemic unemployment payment Christmas bonus. That's paid today. So those bonuses equate to an extra week's payment. And I got an interesting email. And it's important to acknowledge these kind of emails and story. It's from a healthcare worker, Sandra, who feels very annoyed and disgruntled that they haven't been rewarded in the workplace. And she says, I'm a nurse with the HSC. We don't even get a thank you from them. I've worked through the whole pandemic and all I got was a clap. Never in our wildest dreams would we receive any kind of bonus. But we broke our backs through this whole pandemic and we were taxed more than what we usually were taxed, probably because we had to do more hours. 
Uh, we would have loved a bonus. I don't envy all those people who lost their jobs. They do deserve it. But it's the likes of those who have no incentive to work and never even bothered to look for a new job that annoys me. I suppose I would ask them to spend their bonus wisely. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I think maybe there should have been some kind of acknowledgement of frontline workers like yourselves. I mean, it's not as if they hadn't a lot of money to go around. I know there'll be a price to be paid with the amount of money that's going to have to be repaid from the debt. But I understand your pain. Uh, there are other emails and texts, actually, from other people who are uh, working in the frontline and also working uh, within healthcare. And I will come back to that throughout the course of the morning. Lines are open at one 104 You can text 0868 Back after the break. Calls, texts and comments on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. You betcha. 1-850-104-106. Derek, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So you were out on a bit of a night out with your buddies, was it? Yeah, yeah. I've just listened to the girl there who got into the, the wrong car. It's reminded me of a story down there. A few years back on a Sunday night, I was uh, coming out of town and we said we'd stop off in Tivoli for a packet of fags and a bottle of wine. And uh, I walked into Tivoli and after a few jars and kind of stumbled back out and <laughs> I jumped into the car and I said, let's go. You thought, it, hang on a second, you thought you were jumping back into the taxi. Yeah. Let's yeah, go. Party. <laughs> and there was silence and I looked at the driver and my boss turned around to me and he said, you better be on work tomorrow morning, Derek. <laughs> 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 and I looked behind me and the taxi driver was behind me and my friends were behind me and they're all breaking glass laughing. <laughs> Mortification. The exact, the exact same care. <laughs> what was the reaction like the following morning? <laughs> Uh, he was very good. He was sound of nobody. He said he owed him a, a fare for a taxi. <laughs> he said he saw the funny side of it. <laughs> oh, man. Funny is right. Listen, appreciate that. Take care. Cheers, Derek. I mean, the mortification of your boss. I remember years ago, years ago when I worked in Canada um, and I was in a radio station at the time uh, called CJKL. It was up in northern Ontario, way, way up. It was like seven or eight hours in a train to go way up there. Um, and I was there for about a year. And it was my always my intention to try and get back closer, back down to, to Toronto. So I was looking out for different radio jobs and different gigs in different markets. And I remember um, a job came up in a different uh, town, a place called Aurelia. And uh, I was interested in going down there to read news and work for them. Um, so I had a resume, but I only had one copy of it. So I needed to photocopy uh, my resume and the letter to send it, you know, from where I was working, CJKL, to CFOR, which was, you know, further down in Ontario. So I went out and I photocopied. Does this ever happen to anybody? I photocopied my resume um, and uh, forgot to take the original from under the flap. So I left the original there and took the photocopy of it and walked back down to the newsroom and fine and doing getting on my job everything was Jim Dandy until who was the next person that was using the photocopier uh, and down he walks it was the managing director the owner of the radio station down he walks the car lovely guy big jolly guy although I don't remember him smiling that day and he, he walks into the newsroom walks right up to me puts my resume down in front of me and he says I think you left this in the photocopier eh Game was up. I mean, that was just mortifying. It's one of the floor to open and swallow me up. I did get the job in Aurelia and I did move radio stations, but it was awful to have that caught and be caught like that. But that's life.
Be careful with photocopiers. Actually, listen, enough of me because Lorna is under pressure. Lorna, good morning. Hey, how are you, Neil? I'm good. Uh, the amount of people getting into wrong cars. Anyway, what happened with you? Oh, mine was an embarrassing one. Like, looking back on it now, um, years ago, about, I suppose, nearly 40 years ago, I was going over to the UK with my, my parents. They were actually going over to get married. And it was the time when it was an overnighter. Who was going over to get married? My parents. Okay. My mum my mom and dad. Okay, okay. There was um, six of us going over, and we had two cabins. So it was, um, as I say, the overnighter to Hollyhead from Dublin. How old would you have been? I was about 12, I think, because they had left us, they let us roam the ship for a while, and we were told, you know, you've half an hour, come down to the cabin, because we've a long, long journey ahead of us. So we had, myself and my twin had discovered the pokies, and they were, I think, the two pence pokies at the time. So we were there and we were... Well, now, for people who don't understand what a pokey is, this is where you... Poker machine. Yeah, the the slot machines. Oh, I thought you were... So it was the poker machines you were playing? The slot machines, yeah. The the children's ones. I thought when you said pokey, do you remember years ago you could slide money down a chute and it would push all the money forward? Yes. And you're trying to get the coins to fall over the edge. they were there as well. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, my sister, anyway, she headed off down to the cabin said, oh, I'll follow you down in a few minutes. So in the meantime, I won quite an amount. It was about five pounds on this machine. And the staff were there little paper cups trying to put all my two pence pieces into it. So I eventually wandered at the cabin after about half an hour, got in there, opened the door, it was silent. Everyone was asleep. I got into my cabin. I can, I'll always remember it. Or into my bed, light, and lay down. And uh, I was kind of starting off. And I heard so that's not a great phone line. Door. Just move around a little bit because I want to do justice to the story. See if we can get the line any yeah. better. So you went back I into heard, the cabin. Yeah, yeah, I went back into the cabin and got up the the top right bunk. And um, I started to doze off eventually. And next thing I heard coughing next door. And like my stepfather, now he did have, he had a bit of a smoker's cough. I thought, oh my I sat bolt upright in the bed and continued to listen to this coughing and realised I was in the wrong cabin. Um, Leapt out of the bed, at the bunk under, there was people. Well, there was a person in that bed and there was a person in the bed opposite. No, I linked it out and ran in next door, just jumped in, broke the news to them all the next morning what had happened. But, uh, looking, looking back on it now, it was, uh, you know, I suppose if it was nowadays, you'd, you'd be fairly shocked. If that happened, well, it would have been an awful lot worse if you'd fallen asleep and woken up the next morning with a bunch of strangers looking at you. I know, I know. (laughs) What's it it like hitting the jackpot in Tuppence's? Like, it must have been an avalanche of coins coming down the slot. There was an avalanche of coins, and there were people crowding around. Like, it was what you'd imagine the the jackpot in Las Vegas. I mean, imagine two pence. But then I suppose 40 years ago, for a twelve-year-old, it was a lot. A fiver was a lot of money. And did you do you yeah. remember spending it all? I don't remember now. As I say, we were going over to Nottingham. Um, my mother was marrying my stepfather at the time over there, so yeah. I'm sure it was. I'm sure 
it got changed. It might even have been sterling. I can't remember. Didn't give you a taste for more slot machines, though. Oh, stop. <laughs> it could do. It could, the potential was always there, but, uh, but no. <laughs> All right, okay. There's a story I heard on this program some time ago of a fella, I vaguely remember it, where he got into bed with the mother-in-law by accident. That's as much as I can remember of it oh. now. But, I mean, maybe he's listening, you might come back to me. But great story. Thanks for sharing it, Lauren. I look after yourself. No problem. Good luck. Same thing happened to my brother years ago when we were very small. We used to go up to Ackle to Lavelle's guest house with a long terrace uh, of bedrooms, just a corridor, and every single bedroom looked the same. He had an awful habit of getting up really, really early, going up to check if breakfast was ready. And he'd come bolting back down, and sometimes it was ready and sometimes it wasn't. Uh, but one morning, really early, apparently came bolting back down the corridor into the wrong room, jumped in on top of the bed because we were sharing beds at that stage, jumped in on top of the bed and apparently inside he said, no, it's not ready yet, it's not ready yet, it's not ready yet. Inside in the bed was this, um, let me just say, heavy set bald gentleman uh, who didn't look like me. Anyway, I can tell you that he got a right old shock when that happened. Meanwhile, let's get back to the phone lines. we got one or two more on the air. Eleanor, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, so you're, you're da- we're back to Ford Motor Cars. This is a blue Escort, yeah. A blue Escort. About 40 years ago, my dad, my late dad, every Saturday he would go to the butcher's and get the meat for Sunday, you know, roast beef or whatever. And on the way back, he'd stop at the local pub and lay straight to the patch and have two pints. At least he told us for two pints anyway. And um, Sunday morning, my mum went to get meat out of the fridge. had no meat there. And she said to me, would you check the car? So I went out to the car. Wrong car. It was a neighbour's car. So it was walking distance. So I ran down the road to the neighbour's house and there was the car. And there was beef in the back of it. So we had to switch back. And of course we were saying, we can't eat that beef to be in the car all night. And my father was like, you play well with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing wrong. It's just aged beef. That's all it is. Just yeah. aged. So, we ate and it didn't do us any harm but all the escorts that time I had one stolen in Glamour any key would open them go away why was that like that was a serious fault I think I think one of the other callers said it was after time it kind of you know the key went in the ignition just spread out you know and any key would open it yeah we've gone a long way from car keys to fobs now but back in the day that's the way it was and, and, ba- and back in the day, you could. And back in the day, you could stop off for a couple of pints on the way home from a bit of shopping. <laughs> you, you, you could. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was I, crazy. I can tell more stories. What? Uh, I can tell more stories, whatever I want. No. I know. It was. I mean, it was crazy days when you look back on it. I mean, it really was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the amount of cars that were on the road or the amount of people that were knocked down or crashes, but it was perfectly yeah. normal then. You know? And of course, everybody drove slowly too, you know? A lot slower. So the roads were shocking and so were the cars. Anyway, happy days. Lovely memory. Thanks for it, Eleanor. Yes, indeed, it was Farmer's Day and it is still known as Farmer's Day, one of the busiest days of the year today, the 8th day of December. Uh, I'd like to share a story with you with regarding my mother, Lord Rester. She was a great cook and always had Christmas under control. This time, she washed the turkey inside and outside. That's the way it was done back then and stuffed it with potato stuffing. She cooked the turkey and when she was cutting the turkey on Christmas and serving it up with the lovely stuffing 
a Brillo pad was stuck inside it. We all got a great laugh for this. And yes, Neil, we did eat the turkey and the stuffing. And so would I. So, but I know people that wouldn't. I suppose it had a somewhat metallic flavor to it. But it'll do you no harm in the white earthly world. Anyway, keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. If you've been eating out and enjoying the experience for the first time in a while, then you're lucky because Kate had an experience that just wasn't as good. She says, myself and my boyfriend were waiting in the freezing cold, the wind and the rain for over 45 minutes outside our booked restaurant on Friday night. Our booking was booked on Monday. Uh, we booked it for 8.30 uh, and we were still standing there well after 9. So they booked it on the Monday, gave loads of notice and everything, went there on the Friday. There were only two couples who were given tables during the time we stood there. People were queuing outside, freezing and frustrated. We'd been so looking forward to finally getting out. It was such a disappointment. No one was moving out of the restaurant. It was completely full inside. It didn't seem like they were sticking to the time limit and no one was leaving the restaurant except to go in and out to have cigarettes. I realized that they were under pressure and the manager was doing his best, but it was so, so disappointing. Uh, the restaurant across the way, this is always the way. It's like, why does the queue that you're not in always move faster? The restaurant across the way took loads of the customers while we were waiting for our table. And we ended up going there and having a lovely meal there instead. We were so disappointed. I hope it was just the first night mix-ups, as it's normally a wonderful restaurant. just seemed very disorganized and chaotic. Not so professional to let so many of us outside freezing, waiting so long. It was Baltic. There were two couples and a family of six that got a table in the restaurant we went to without a reservation. They really helped everyone out and saved everyone's night. Now, I wonder, in fairness, just, just quickly on that, as to whether or not the restaurant that you were booked into, whether they just couldn't get people off the tables, you know, and that they were trying and trying and trying and that people weren't moving after their 105 minutes. Frustrating times, stress- stressful times for staff and for patrons alike. Anyway, we'll come back to that and lots more besides text 0868104106. A 200 euro voucher again today from Michelle, the jewellers. Don't call just yet. Just bear in mind that when I open the phone lines, you need to identify the three songs and the titles and the artists in the right order. They are tough. Certainly the first one's quite tough anyway, but maybe you've mauled three down pat. So we'll open the phone lines on that at 10 minutes to midday. Emerald Award winning music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. Okay, lines open 1850 104 106. Don't give out all my details as I would fear that I might lose my job, even though myself and my colleagues are all taking, are all talking about leaving the jobs we love because the way we are being treated. Uh, we, I am, and we are nurses in the CUMH. We were told on Friday that we were not allowed to use our tea rooms as it had been decided that because of COVID and safe distancing requirements, we must now leave the hospital and go outside and use a porta cabin. Since the pandemic started, we have taken every possible measure to ensure the safety of the babies, the parents and our colleagues. We've gone without seeing family members, worked through every lockdown, changed into our uniforms and work shoes at work. We were stopped from using the canteen and the CUH to cut down on contacts. The labour ward, the neonatal unit and the wards all stayed within their own units to cut down on contacts. We have not had any outbreaks of COVID in the CUMH. Now, two weeks before Christmas, nursing students were told they would not be getting paid for the work they do. In the same week... Uh, we got our registration bill of 100 euro in our doors. 
UMH has also told us we are to get new uniforms at the cost of 97.50 for three uniforms. We were told to order them before Christmas and pay for them ourselves, which I might add was an absolute disgrace. We were told to try on uniforms to get correct sizes. These uniforms were put on by practically every nurse in the CUMH. Where are the infection control measures here? We are not allowed to do this in shops, for God's sake. We were told that they were washed, but when inspected by staff, the tags were still attached. We have not had a meeting about this yet. We must come out the main entrance and over the bridge and turn left, go down steps. Uh, We have not been advised if we are to change out of our uniforms and work shoes to go outside to this cabin, put on coats, and if there'll be a queue to get into the cabin. There's one microwave inside. If only four people are allowed in at a time, how is this going to work? How do we know if it's empty or if there's space after this long walk? We do not have set times for breaks. We go for our breaks when we have the chance in between feeds and patient care. Sometimes we can't go for our first morning break until lunchtime it's so busy. We've often been called back from breaks as we're needed in emergency situations. How are we meant to be in a position to do this when we won't even be in the building? Working now is so soul-destroying. As nurses, we feel on a daily basis we're stretched to the limits, and this will tip us over the edge. We're suspicious of the decision to do this now. We feel this is down to the excuse of the pandemic to use our kitchen area for office space. It can't be for the reasons they're saying, as it's an infection control nightmare for us to be doing this and the health and safety issues. How can they do 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 this to us, leaving us out in the rain and the cold? Please read this out. Please let us be heard. Please don't leave the nurses to be put in a small freezing porta cabin for Christmas. It's like a slap in the face. We are just looking for basic rights and the right to have our break in a safe, clean and warm environment. You're sincerely a very tired, upset and deflated nurse. Oh, and for the record, I have attached a photo of the porta cabin. And so you have, and there it is, just plunked right down in the middle of some kind of a courtyard area, uh, not looking too inviting to me anyway. Uh, but what Porter Cabin would um, in the middle of winter when you want to go out for a break or to catch your breath. So we've been getting not, maybe we've been in touch already, but we'll certainly be asking the COH for a response to that, the COMH and the HSE for a response to that, and we'll have to see what they say. Anyway, keep those texts and emails coming, text 0868 104 106. I know we've been having an awful lot of fun this morning, uh, but by God, there's been some stuff going across my desk for people who are struggling in relationships. Not just at Christmas time, not just during COVID, but it's a lot worse at this time of the year. And for some of them, it's been that way for years. So I do want to get some of those emails and those texts on air between now and midday. But let's just stay in the, in the, in the vein of conversation that we've been in for a while now. Darren. Uh, well, you wanted to go and hide a van, is it? I did, yeah. I'm Paul. I'm one of the buddies. Uh, okay, just move around there. Now, this was a prank. It's not a great phone line. Just move around. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's a bit better. Yeah. yeah. What did you yeah, want yeah. to do? Oh, yeah. Uh, we were out, you know, saying in my night, uh, like one of the days, you've been a lot older than me to be talking. Yeah, I was in about 18, 19. You have to give it to me in saying, and you're all slagging wise in front of everyone. And I, I said, the next thing I know, I see him, I, I fix him. So about a week later... Who were you playing for? The bars, was it? The bars, yeah. <laughs> and, and about a week later, Trevor was him. Is your mind then? Trevor, Trevor, was, Trevor was way older than he was an awful man. Like, Trevor, I came out of there, came out of the match, and I seen, I thought, which I, I thought was Trevor's van running. And I said to myself, 
I said, that's why I ain't taking the van, oh, I'm going to hide in it. <laughs> Jumped into the van, he loves the bell, drove down through Talker, just passing the Dean Rock there, and who came towards me in a van? Trevor Old, and I just got him the wrong van. <laughs> They'll Trevor salute me, I'm panicking inside in the van, didn't know whose van I had. Got down and started us the roundabout in Talker, swung around, back up into the bell. Trevor says, when do you buy a van? I goes, I, I didn't, it's meant to be your van. <laughs> There was a man that went into the van, setting up a box, running out the bells, hands in his head, screaming, where's me van gone? I looked at him, I just threw the keys in. He said, but he don't me van, I goes, it's a long story, by good luck. <laughs> it's best not, best not to explain, just get out of there. <laughs> I, I just ran, I goes, here, look, good luck, I said, it took so long to talk about it. So, Trevor was a great man for the wind-up, and when you tried oh, to catch him out in the wind-up, it backfired on you. I up and me fear. <laughs> Lucky you weren't stopped by the guards. Uh, about 10 years ago, and he still won't even go. He tells everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. The things it people do. It was an absolute classic. only happened to me. I love Great story. Listen, thanks for sharing it. Cheers, Darren. Take care. Lines open at one 850 And I see a lot of texts on this coming in. Let me just, just a quick one there, just ahead of the break. Caroline. Hi. So we're Hello, jumping between you? cars and turkeys. Um, and your turkey would come from Skib, was it? Sorry, Caroline, can you hear me? I have no, the wrong no, line. No, yeah, no. I sorry, I have the wrong line. That's a different call. Forget about it. I just, yeah. you, you, this is jumping from bed to bed. Yeah, gotcha now. Go ahead. This My apologies. Is, yeah. 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 Um, uh, a friend of mine, this is about 30 years ago, I'd say now. A friend of mine was going out with a girl and. Uh, He'd oh, gone to her place only once or twice to meet the parents. But anyway, on one particular night when he was there, they had been out at the pub and they got stoutish drunk. And, uh, so this is a boyfriend and girlfriend out for the night on the yeah. lash, you say, on went back lash. to her house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they were engaged at this stage now. And didn't she, he wanted to go upstairs and go to bed. And she said, go up the stairs there and turn right. And he went up the stairs, but sure, he didn't know his left from his right. And she turned the wrong way, ended up inside in the bedroom, threw himself into the bed and there was his uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law to be inside in the bed, but he thought it was the girlfriend after not before him and uh, there was consternation anyway and <laughs> they tried, the mother-in-law was trying to convince him that she wasn't the girlfriend in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but they got married anyway. They, he didn't they marry the mother-in-law. Like, well. No, no. <laughs> but eventually they got married and all was forgiven and they've grown up kids now. But uh, very funny when the guy and, was telling us. And I wonder, did that story get um, divulged by the father of the bride at the speech of the wedding? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there could have been a lot more stories, I'd say, you know, but... <laughs> Possibly, possibly, because I think there's, there's been another few incidents, I think. Um, With the same guy? Say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'd say they had some fun tell, re, telling it afterwards. Oh my you know. God, a couple thing, of years down the line. We'll the things that can happen with a few jars on board. Tell me about it. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Caroline. Cheers. Yeah. That's a t- I don't know whether that's a call or a text. You, happy Christmas to you as well. We'll come back to more of those calls across the morning for what time we've left. Lots more to do. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. All right. So big day today. Historically and traditionally, the 8th of December for many is the start. 
for many, of course, it's the first and others, of course, it's in November when you put the tree up, when you don't put the tree up. And we're encouraging people to send photographs of your home decorations, particularly those of you that decorate outside the home. Some areas of Cork are great like that. Some areas of the north side are absolutely terrific where you have entire housing estates making a huge effort. It's good on the south side as well. But my spies are telling me at the moment that the north side is winning this battle with regards to Christmas decorations outside the house and in the garden and things like that. So keep those photographs coming uh, and email them to neil at redfm.ie or share them with us whatever way you want, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, but make sure you send us photographs uh, and we'll share them and then we'll have some more chats about that. But Christmas trees, Christmas trees, yeah? The big difference between the real and the macchiai. You just can't beat the smell of a real Christmas tree. And for the day that's in it today, the 8th of December, um, we recently and over the past few days have been doing an awful lot of Christmassy vox pops out and about uh, and uh, Seamus was out to ha- to hook up with Henley's uh, on the Kins- just off the Kinsale Road roundabout and they're open and the Christmas shop is open and they're doing plants and shrubs and potted stuff and everything and Christmas trees so Damien is out there Here's the co- he's the horticulture or he's working uh, out there and the horticulture is one of the lads working there and every year uh, they have uh, the pop-up site selling all sorts of Christmas trees. And despite the need for social distancing and hand sanitizing, um, business is booming and people are buying their Christmas trees. So Seamus caught up with the good people at, at Hanley's and also people out there picking out the Christmas tree. And don't you know that that's an ordeal because the first one, nor the second one, or the third one, or the fourth one, they're never right. You have to keep on digging. Rocking around the Christmas tree at Christmas I suppose the thing with a real Christmas tree is you actually get the proper smell of Christmas that you don't get with an artificial tree. You get that beautiful tree smell, really. It's hard to describe what it is, but everybody knows the smell of a real Christmas tree. And I suppose it's bringing a bit of nature, really, into your house as well. Um, So the main type of tree that we do, really, is the Nordman fir. The good thing about the Nordman fir is it's really thick branching, so it's not kind of sparse, and you can make it look full with the least amount of decorations or the most you want, really, realistically. So when you're buying the tree from us, really, we will hold the tree up for you you can have a walk around it you can see when you're coming in kind of know the height of your ceiling or if you've been buying trees for years you'll have an idea of the size tree you want anyways so then once you have it picked out basically what we do we'll take a little bit of timber off the bottom of the tree this is to open up the pores this helps then when you put the tree into your stand we'd recommend you put it into a stand that has a water reservoir in it this will help keep the tree healthy for you during the Christmas you just have to keep remembering to keep topping up the, the water reservoir and you can also add a little bit of seven up or sprite something like that high in sugar it also helps the uptake of the water in the house. All our trees are coming locally from out near McCroom and also the trees are coming into us every day so we have a fresh delivery in every day. Some people like a smaller Christmas tree, some people like a big big fluffy Christmas tree but it's all part of the build up to Christmas and and getting the kind of excitement and coming up to the occasion so it is nice coming out and picking out your Christmas tree with your family and stuff. I wouldn't have an artificial one because to me they're just like tinsel things I don't think they're real yeah. thing that you look for in a Christmas tree when you're buying one keep that woman happy <laughs> <laughs> plenty of body on it anyway and uh, yeah that looks like a good tree so I'm happy with it are you happy with it? Um, not 100% sure this was the first one we saw and my husband there um, would buy the first one we saw. <laughs> not absolutely mad about looking at every other tree, but then maybe most husbands aren't, I don't know. Um, we shall look at, at a few more, yes. Oh gosh, there's nothing like a real Christmas tree. Tis, you know, the, 
the artificial ones aren't the same at all and at least you can um, they're recyclable I hope they are <laughs> um, it's the smell of the real Christmas tree um, so I enjoy that in the sitting room when I'm sitting down enjoying playing with the kids um, and I think also the kids like just the feel of the real Christmas tree as well this is probably the earliest we've actually put it up usually we kind of wait for December 8th um, but just with everything going on we put it up a bit early this year but usually it lasts but we take it down early January I love them yeah I'd love to have, be able to have one but um, just for practicality I can't anymore um, I have two special needs kids who drag everything off the tree anyway so it's just easier to have the lights incorporated in the artificial trees unfortunately but I love the smell of them I love the look of them yeah, I really love it. The authenticity, the, the everything, it's, I don't know, it's, it's the, even the adventure of going out and picking one with the kids, you know? Well, uh, we live in a wood, and we've always had real Christmas trees, so I can't imagine not having a real one. It'd be a bit weird living in a forest and then having a plastic one. It's a childhood thing. We always had it as children in our house at home. I'd like my kids, they're used, they, they wouldn't have a false Christmas tree at all in their houses. So uh, it's kind of tradition. The real tree or the Machia tree, Seamus Whelan at Hanley's. Nobody buys the first tree they see. You start World War Three if you bought the first one. There's so much involved in picking out the perfect tree. And uh, maybe for you, today will be the day, December the 8th. Lines open at one 106 I'm told, actually, with regards to decorating the house or outside the house or the wall of the house or the gardens or the pillars or everything and anything, you could see the meadows in Nocknahini from space, I'm told. You know the space station that's gone over? They're posting little messages on Instagram saying, I can see the meadows Park and Orr in Rathcormack have gone out all as big time as well. So keep those, uh, keep those texts coming. But most importantly, make sure you send us photographs as we get in. Well, we're in the Christmas spirit, aren't we? And we'll drive it on right up to Christmas Eve. And with that in mind, for those that won't be home uh, at Christmas time, yeah? We have Just Like Home Hampers to send to loved ones overseas. And obviously, I'm reading out lots and lots of emails, but not everybody will get a hamper, but they'll certainly get a shout-out if at all possible. And from yesterday's bunch of emails, a hamper will be sent off to Australia because Neve Connolly got in touch to tell us about her great-uncle Timmy, who at the age of 20 went to Australia and found love with his next-door neighbour, an Australian girl called Carol. They married, they had children, um, he's been in Australia for over 60 years and this is his 80th birthday year. And he's FaceTiming and everything now, everybody back home. So that was a lovely email yesterday and they want a hamper to go out there so that his children, the Timmy's children and grandchildren can have a proper cup of Barry tea and a tato cheese and onion sandwich. So thank you for that lovely email, Neil. Now, some more that have been sent to Neil at redfm.ie. Hi, Neil, from the south of France, where I live and work as a winemaker with my beautiful wife, Phoebe, and two gorgeous kids, Lily and Arlo. I've been living here for 12 years now, and I miss Cork City with every aching bone of my body. Even when I hear the Echo newspaper on your radio, I verse a little tear. 
Anyway, it's been a year now uh, since I had the pleasure to get a tasty just like home hamper from, from you. The kids were going mental with all the Irish goodies. For me, though, it was the Barry's tea that did the job. Thanks for your kindness. But enough about me. I want to nominate my aunt Alice, who lives in the south, ger- south of Germany with her husband Michelle and their three kids. She moved there for work during the horrible 80s. Since then, people have come and gone and family dramas have come and gone. And with the two of us living on the old continent, we speak a lot, especially during this time, uh, for all of us. It's with a very heavy heart that I would love if you could just read this email out, as lately, Alice has become terribly homesick. And it may be a way to give her a huge virtual hug and let her know that I and home are thinking of her. Again, thank you. I listen to you every morning here in the wine vines. Keep up the good work, kid. And mind the old Clonakilty sausages. Go on, mind yourself and have a safe and happy Christmas, lads, says John Gidera. Now, I, I know that you miss the sound of the Echo newspapers being shouted. You know, Echo, get your Echo. Of course, evening Echo's gone. But I don't mean to break your heart, but how would you like a blast of the Shandon Bells? You're crying down in the vineyards now. Morning. I'm sending an email as I'd love my daughter to get a hamper if possible. Her name is Haley Mahan Nagel. Lovely, lovely name. She's 22 years old and she's been living in Luxembourg for three and a half years. This is the longest time we've gone without seeing our girl. The last time I saw her was in January of this year, way before we went into COVID. We were blessed that her dad, Ian, got over to see her for her birthday in March just before the curtains closed. It's so hard to believe that due to COVID, I won't get to see my little girl this year. And I know we're not the only ones. Her little brother, Leon, has his fairy door set up and Haley has hers set up in Luxembourg. I'm pretty sure it's the little things that she'll miss. The smell of spiced beef cooking on Christmas Eve, my mate and my late mother-in-law's family tradition and my dad's champagne breakfast. We won't be able to get together this Christmas and God only knows when we'll get together again. So please consider her for a prize. She's a Cork character. She'll bring a smile to anyone's face. Thanks so much from her loving ma'am Denise, her dad Ian, sister Kelly, who recently joined the Naval Service and has gone to sea for the first time this week. Her baby sister Holly and baby brother Leon in Leon, I should say, in Whitegate. And that's a lovely email from Dennis Denise Nagel, I should say. And just a quick one from Vera. I'd like to nominate my daughter Eva Murphy from Grange for one of your hampers. She's a nurse and left for Australia three years ago. She originally went for two years and decided to stay. Last year, due to an accident, I missed on a trip to see her. And this year, I missed again, for obvious reasons. We're a small family, so Christmas time is especially lonely without our daughter, Aoife. I know she misses home terribly, especially during Christmas. She misses, like, a walk through the English market. Tom Durkin spiced beef. Heading down to KC's on a Friday night. Reading the Holly Bow. She just moved house, so this hamper would be a real treat for her this Christmas time. Please consider her. Another lovely email from Vera. And a hamper for Ashling Murray, if you can, in Melbourne. She went to Melbourne in February this year, only to be faced with lockdown in March. She hasn't had much opportunity to experience any Aussie life yet. She loves cork and all things associated. Barry's tea, the lot. She won't be home for Christmas. I listen to you every morning that I'm not at work and I listen to the podcasts and I love following you on Instagram. Merry Christmas to you and all of the team. 
from Noel Buckley in Ballancolic. Lovely emails. Keep them coming. And don't forget, you can also send your own Just Like Home hamper to loved ones overseas. Just log on www.justlikehome.ie. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much. She sent me a lovely photograph. She says, this is a picture of my daughter, Chloe, looking into Pinocchio's toy shop window during lockdown. I thought it was so beautiful. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas, says Diane. And she sent me the photograph of her daughter looking uh, bedazzled and transfixed into the window of Pinocchio's. It's a beautiful, beautiful window, particularly at night. All of the Christmas windows in the city and the suburbs and everywhere is gorgeous, particularly when the lights are down and it's dark and the Christmas lights are on. And Pinocchio's Christmas toy shop window looks absolutely fabulous. Thank you for that. Now, this is gas, right? Because um, I just want to talk to... Can I just talk to Lorraine, if you don't mind? Because there's a backstory to this. Lorraine, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Now, your brother, Richard, wanted to mor- he wanted to mortify you by telling the story, right? Oh, my God. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said you might as well own it and get in ahead of him and share it yourself, oh, right? God. Yes. Okay. So okay. Um, again, it's it a was, car story, isn't it? It's a, it is, yeah. yeah. Okay, off you go. Very, it was my very first car. It was a blue Peugeot two hundred six. Okay. So it was the night before Christmas Eve, and I said I was going out for a few drinks. So that was fine, partished. That was grand. Anyway, Christmas Eve. Woke up Christmas Eve morning. Said got ready to go to town. So I looked out my window. No car. So I said, um. I went up to my mom and dad in the kitchen and I said, Ma, do you know where my car is? They said, no, he's not out the back. They said, no. So then I started to panic a bit, you know. So I walked out around the house. No car, car gone. Then I panicked, ran in home, told the whole family my car was robbed. So my brother Richard, um, he said, oh Christ, Christ, okay. Rang the guards over in Blarney. Um, told them, look, my sister's car has been robbed you know um, and they said okay okay we're coming over you know okay so my <laughs> Richard my brother he then put up a post on Facebook you know um, just saying you know like if anyone has seen my sister's car you know it was robbed probably in the early hours etc you know yeah. that was fine Yeah. so this was going on now Neil at least an hour at least I for love or money could not remember anything so next thing, anyway, my mom and dad came in, they ru- they rushed home from work and they were like, oh my God, you know, Christmas Eve, who would do such a thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was roaring, crying out at this stage. And next thing, um, uh, my dad came in and said, Lorraine, cancel your cards because my purse was in the car as well. So I rang the bank, cancelled all my cards. Oh, for God's so sake. I had no cards now. Um, and I thought all my money was gone. So... In the meantime, this was still going on now, I'd say nearly an hour, um, and the guards actually didn't, they didn't arrive at the time, we'll say, but they were aware, you know. And next thing anyway... The whole of the parish was on alert. Oh, um, Neil, the whole parish was made aware of my Peugeot 206 gone missing, someone robbed my car on Christmas Eve. So um, at least an hour later, I was sitting down and I said, look, Lorraine, think back, like, you know, was there, you know, did I, you know, where was I? What did I do? Did I, you know, you know? Next thing my dad said, look, he's going to drive around and try to see, you know, it was it left somewhere that someone kind of, you know, joyride, you know. And abandon it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't believe this, Neil. Next thing anyway, after me cancelling all my cards, all cards gone, no money for Christmas, guards aware, whole parish on lookout. On Facebook. On Facebook, the whole world to see. 
everyone could see that my car was missing. My dad drove down to the local shop, you know, Super Value and Tower? Did I take your word for it? Yeah, down there. <laughs> where was my lovely car? Parked in tightly into the corner. I forgot I actually parked my car there the night before because I was rushing. So I parked my car, hopped into my friend's car, and off we went out for a few drinks. <laughs> Couldn't remember. Cancelled cards. No money. Um, I thought my Christmas was ruined. Every, guards were on the way. <laughs> People out looking for my car, and it was parked down in the car park. So you ring the guards and say, sorry. I, my brother, I, I, honest to God, I thought he was going to die. My brother, Richard, that, that made call. He, I thought he was actually going to, to kill me. <laughs> he was mortified. He had to ring the guards. He had to ring the guards back saying, look, I'm sorry about that. My sister's car was actually parked out in the shop. <laughs> and the, gar- the guards were laughing. They, were well, they said, look, cause- it was a good... They had a good laugh at it. Well, Richard sent me an email and most of your story, he corroborates what you're saying. He talks about, oh, Christmas is ruined, commotion in the family. Oh my God, everyone was upset. Somebody robbed the car. The whole of the parish, he says, was in high alert. We were on the way out to look for the car and we were questioning her. Where did you leave the keys? Did you notice anyone suspicious? You know, when you lose something and somebody says, well, where was the last time you saw it? You feel like saying, I strangled her if I knew that. And they were all, the whole family. And Come on, think back. Think he says, back. he says, no. he says, then there was a light bulb moment. <laughs> he says, she had met her friend in the local shop the evening before and walked over to the pub, left the car there overnight. She got very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he says, she got very drunk and woke up well, forgetting where she'd left the car and thought it had been robbed. <laughs> Honest to God, Neil, I'll never forget it. And you know what's even funnier now, Neil? I went down Christmas Eve after the whole commotion now and the whole parish knowing that, you know, I lost, well, lost my car for a few day, for a few hours. Went down to the local pub then for Christmas Eve, you know. And the slagging I got. Um, so it was the was, eve of Christmas Eve then? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the slagging you I got. You lose your car at all, you lost your memory. Honest to God, Neil, I'll never in my life forget it. Do you know I something? Because, no like, I mean, if we're all to be honest, and I, I try to be as honest as I can, that that used yeah. to happen to me in the past. You drink way too much, right? And then you decide that you're not going to drive home, and, and then the next morning you can't find where the bloody car was. Um, but but also, I often wonder, and we were young then, it was crazier times, but I often wonder, why would anybody want to go out and have a load of drink on Christmas Eve? It might seem like a great idea, and I don't want to sound like a... Because Christmas Day is ruined. It is. You know what, Neil, it is. That was back in the younger days, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, things are different, but I'll never in my life forget it. Ever. How long ago was that? I think I'd say it was about five years ago now. Four or five years ago, maybe. <laughs> have you settled down since, or have you not settled oh, down? Come here. Come here, totally settled down now. Have you kids? I do. I have a four-year-old, yeah, a daughter, yeah, Robin. Well, listen, you got in ahead of the brother, and you owned your own mortification I rather than letting him... <laughs> I, got a fi- oh. I want to give you a 50-euro voucher for the kids for Pinocchio's Toy Shop. You will love it. Oh, it's in Paul Street. They have Thanks just beautiful toys there, many of them oh, handcrafted. Brilliant. You'll Thanks love it. Thanks for sharing so much. Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks a million. Take care. <laughs>
Keep Bye. those stories coming. Email Neil at redfm.ie, text 0868104106. Just a, a clatter load of texts there, Brenda, if you have them. And I have one or two fun things to do between now uh, and midday. So um, I know that other people have been texting and we've been sorting out texts and reading them out and things like that. I went into a supermarket, heavily pregnant. And when I came out, I got into the car. The key wouldn't fit in the ignition. I was all flustered and confused. Took several minutes to realize I was sitting in someone else's car. I quickly left, got into my own car. Can't believe I got away with it without the mortification of actually meeting the actual owner. My mam had a live turkey in our back for years. Uh, the live turkey ended up becoming a pet. He ate everything we ate. He walked freely in and out of the house. Mam went shopping and my brother and his friends decided the turkey was fat enough. Let's surprise mam and get him ready. Didn't they kill the turkey? We plucked him, had him on the counter when mam and dad came back from shopping. And of course, my poor mam had to cook him on Christmas Day. Times were tough. Do you think he was eight on Christmas Day? Not a hope. All the kids round the table were crying. <laughs> and dad's been telling that stories for years. It's like, it's like cooking and eating your pet. I mean, you just don't do it. I was asking earlier on, because it's a, it's a, it's a food in the UK. We're talking about the term faggot and it has different meanings bundle of kindling or indeed a faggot that you eat. It is meatball made from mince cutoffs and offal. It's big, mainly in Wales. Oh, well, I don't know about the awful part of it, unless you were eating it with a really rich gravy. We were asking about the cars, and why was it in the 70s, keys opened any car? The thing about car keys in the 70s, Neil, it was fairly common knowledge that Ford card keys would open any Ford, or even a British Leyland car, like the Mini, as it was probably the same company making all the locks and the keys for different car companies. But the advantage was, if you locked your car keys in the car, you just asked somebody else, who you saw driving around in a Ford to borrow their keys to open your car. Volkswagens always had the best car locks, says Desi. I got into the wrong car myself a couple of years ago. Uh, it was outside Farnry Post Office. I was driving a Ford Focus. I parked outside the post office, queued up and came out, uh, went to my car, which I thought was my car. I forgot to mention it was summertime. I'd left the window open in the car, sat in, went to put my purse into the glove compartment and saw belongings that weren't mine. Turned around to look and everyone in the queue was laughing. Wasn't there an elderly man after parking two below me? Same car. He'd see me going into his car and he was telling the people in the queue what was happening. It was mortifying. It happens. Uh, on Christmas lights, you should call into the residence in Needham Place. They have really made an effort for Christmas with all the outside lights and the trees. It looks amazing. My son loves walking over there to see it at nighttime. They are lovely people. So keep on sharing uh, some of the lovely, lovely Christmas decorations and work that people are doing on their houses outside and indeed maybe residents coming together as a group. Like I mentioned now at this stage that the crib and the lock is on unfolded, opened and on at night. It must look lovely. And please, would you please give a big shout out to my man Marie from Curraheen Lawn in Bishopstown. Very happy birthday. She loves you, loves the show and that's from Daniel and from Neil. So happy to do all of those things. Okay, lines open on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 86 Here's a nice, Here's a nice story for you because uh, we did a little bit of work on this. Remember I was saying earlier on that Dublin City Council has banned buskers from Dublin City Centre. Bad form, says I. They're saying busking doesn't meet guidelines. And maybe there's people out there who will be freaking 
because they think that buskers shouldn't be allowed. But uh, I'm into tradition like that. Stephen Sweeney, who's a busker from Mayfield, got in touch and he said, when I'm not busking on one of the crossroads on Oliver Plunkett Street, I volunteer three days a week in Oxfam. Oxfam. I was part of the Voices of Cork, Cork's own choir, back in 2005, when we were the capital of culture back then. And we would go around to many of the elderly and disabled homes of Cork and sing for them for an hour. This was a great experience and I made many friends and developed my love of singing. I am one of the few buskers in our city and county who performs without a mic or any amplification. Although this, of course, affects how much money I make. I consider this to be the true way of busking in Cork City. Now, I'm sending you a home recording of myself performing the classic Christmas song by Mud. It's called Lonely This Christmas. I would really appreciate if you could play it on air. And if you can't play it, maybe you might mention it and ask your listeners if they could go and check it out. Any help would be much appreciated. If uh, I'm, I'm sure if you check out the recording, you'll agree that it is a great performance and you'll give it a play on air. It's a Christmas song which everyone loves and I'm sure they'd love to hear it. Anyway, I just hope you have the chance to give it a play or indeed a mention. Now, happy to do that, Stephen. But in the email I have in front of me, I don't have um, any web address or Facebook or YouTube attachment where people can go and find the video and the song themselves. So if you want to come back to me about that, I'm happy to share it. If not, people can just Google Stephen McSweeney and Lonely This Christmas by Mud. Now, I hope I hope you like, Stephen, uh, what we've done with this. Um, and I hope that you'll appreciate it because we did a little bit of work. This is Stephen McSweeney's Lonely This Christmas by the great Mud. <laughs> Oh 
never thought there'd be an end. And I remember looking at you then. And I remember thinking that Christmas must have been made for us. Because, darling, this is the time of year that you really, you really need love. Good company, Stephen McSweeney with Les Gray and the Great Mud and Lonely This Christmas. So a bit of a mash there, a bit of a mix of two versions of the same song and a great talent too on Lee side. Stephen McSweeney, the busker from Mayfield, happy to oblige and thank you for that lovely Christmas video and the audio that you sent me and people should check out the full video on the line. You'll find it on a search of Stephen McSweeney, Lonely This Christmas, and it'll probably pop up on YouTube. I, I loved Mud. I just loved the band, everything about them, particularly the a cappella and the chorus uh, and the key changes and all the clever things they did back in the days of glam, glam rock. And thank you, Therese, in Switzerland. Here's my crib. We'll share these on Twitter and Facebook, I'm sure. And I try and share as much as I can on my own Instagram page. But she says, here's my crib. It's not finished yet. But you can see Shandon up in the left corner and the fountain from the English market center front. She's over in Switzerland and it is a fantastic crib that you've done. The detail in it is incredible. And yes, I do see all of the different cork places picked out in that also. You're very, very talented. Well done for all of that. And we'll share that and lots more besides online. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Yes, lovely text coming in and say, that's a lovely version of Mud's Loneliness This Christmas by the busker Stephen McSweeney. It certainly is. and happy to share it. And I did get the link for you. It is on YouTube. If you want to see the whole video and the whole song of his version of Lonely This Christmas, youtube.com forward slash. And on a search on YouTube, just search Stephen McSweeney and up it will pop. He's a great talent here on the side and hopefully you'll be back on Oliver Plunkett Street soon doing your thing, Stephen, and best of luck with it. Can I just quickly acknowledge um, that it's the 150th anniversary of St. Finbar's Cathedral and uh, I got a lovely CD in the post from the choir there. They've just released uh, their latest CD. They were lucky enough to be able to record it before the pandemic. It's called Let All the World in Every Corner Sing and they sent me a copy of it. It's beautiful. It's very, very Christmassy and I will be featuring a song from the CD uh, Christmas Week so I just want to acknowledge because it was difficult for them to get it out and it's out and it's available and you can get further details on St. Finbar's as to where you can buy a copy of it uh, but I will be featuring a track from it a little closer to Christmas now. Our phone lines are open at 200 euro voucher for Michelle Jewellers in Patrick Street the most glamorous and fashionable quality retail jewellers in Cork so a 200 euro voucher on these three songs stitched together it's not easy I grant you that but who said it was going to be simple? It's a 200 euro voucher, so you got to work for it. Artists and titles in the right order. Here they are. Okay. Have another listen. 
Get dialing now, 1850-104-106. See how you get on. Just a couple of quick calls. I'll see how much I can squeeze in in the next three minutes. So, Catherine. Good morning, Neil. How not, are you? Not much time, unfortunately. What <laughs> okay. happened? I tell you, Neil, about 15, 16 years ago, I was at home and I was going out to my Christmas shopping. And, you know, I had two young grandchildren at the time. Uh, he's 21 now and the other fellow's 18. <laughs> but I have eight. But at that time, I said, I'll try to get over now while they're missing and get them done what I have to do. In the meantime, the husband said, Jesus, those cars are very bad. It has to be charged to go on the Faith Maria car, which is a silver car. Now, to me, that was like having a Mercedes that time. <laughs> and I tell you, I said, I go up to Sick and John, so off I went off to John's anyway. Just thinking about the talking to him and everything I said to get. And I'm only four for 11, so you can imagine the trolley was up over my head. <laughs> so coming out the door anyway, I said, Jesus, there's three silver cars there. So I said, fuck it. My car was there because I always parked near the, the trolley bay, you know? He's right. so small, I have Got over and I said, the second car is robbed. Call the security guard. Quick, I said, my car, I said, that's been robbed. I said, I drive a Fiat Maria silver car, I said. And I said, it's gone, I said. So see, stand there, Mr. Stender. He said, he said, I'll go and he said, and I, I said, no, get the guards. No, he said, because they could be gone. They could be gone, I said, and there's a lot of documentation in that car and everything. So, often he went anyway, and the guards came. And he said, Mrs. Weird, I said, look, do I look stupid, guard? I said, I always park here next to the trolley bay. I said, because, I said, it's easier for me to go back and forth. He said, are you sure, Miss Cesar? And was that car there? So I what car? See the car, here's my arse up and against the bonnet. And I said to myself, and I looked around and I saw the Superman sticker on the freaking car. <laughs> and I said to myself, Jesus, that's my son's car. Oh, what happened was, oh, Neil, I forgot completely about my car coming for the four new tires because they were bald. <laughs> and here's me with the son's, he with the punto because he was a sheet metal work and he was serving his time. So I, I nicked his car, went over to Duns and bought a man. Right? Here's the guards and the, the guards went in into the shop and said, check the camera, but obviously he didn't tell me and he came up he said, Mrs. He said, you were right in that mint green pool top. <laughs> so I said, really? <laughs> so I tell you something, I got highlights from my hair after that. You weren't so saucy, were you? After that? <laughs> no, I tell you, no, I just got new highlights, Neil. <laughs> You turn grey in the moment. No, I tell you, I, with Neil, you see, because when you're when you're running and you're as any mother would do, I suppose for Christmas you're thinking about the grandchildren, the children, the turkey, the ham, the this, the that. Have I enough in? Have I? Uh, you know, oh, I thought you and, were up you to see, ninety. I was up to 90 and then of course like the selection boxes were coming out of everywhere because I'm sure they reduced you probably 75 cents <laughs> at the time. So I mean the trolley, I mean I'm 4 for 11. Oh and I came out, well, I tell you something, and here's the green Punto car. You wouldn't mind, like, and terrible drawing attention to the car. Well, I tell you one thing, Catherine, you're well able to tell a story without even coming up for breath. <laughs> I'm telling you now, Neil, and that's the truth. That was all over in Duns and Balabala and all those Love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, a great way so to finish up. love your stories and yeah. keep them coming. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. you can't beat the stories. They're great. Lots more of them. Thanks, Catherine, so much. My apologies to Karen. I hope you're available to catch up in the morning. Our lines will stay open, uh, reminiscing in the nostalgia and the good, funny stories. That's the way to go, isn't it? Enough for this COVID stuff. We need to get on with life and just have our own bit of cop on as we go about our business. Lines will stay open at one 850 I'm hearing now by text that there's no crib this year at the lock. It's there, but the shutters are closed on. I don't know why that is. I pass it on. I'm just seeing it coming in as a text. We'll have to check it. Maybe it's just not open yet. Maybe today's the day, the 8th of December. Anyway, I'll leave you with that little mystery. Have a good day. 
Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.